All right. Uh, we're going to talk about the laws of magic. That's it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess just like more talking about some structural stuff for the, the podcast moving forward, we're, we're probably at the moment kind of, I guess, freewheeling a little bit, but you know, over a period of time, we're going to develop a bit of a structure for how we want to do this. Um, but at this point, you know, maybe we can, yeah, we'll kind of have a bit of a chat about the laws of magic that are in the rule book. Um, maybe just kind of go through some stuff, you know, how to use them, you know, what they're kind of, what the main theme is, um, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I guess talk about how they operate on the table and what the kind of, you know, I guess what the key spells are, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I guess welcome back. This is the, once again, the title, are we, are we, are we set on this title? The, uh, um, the yeah. rank, the rank bonus podcast. <laughs> we haven't come up with anything better yet. Well, that's true, but that's that can a, be a, it's a totally good title. I think it's a great title. I reckon yeah. it's good, but I'm Alex. And I'm Frank. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to jump in and start talking about the, uh, the sixth edition rule book laws and, uh, yeah, we'll just have a bit of a chat and see, see where that goes. All right. You want to just start at the start? Law of Fire is the first one that's in the book. Yeah, Law of Fire. Um, I think this is a cracking law. Do you want to go through the fluff and talk about the eight colours of magic or do you want to skip that crap and just get into the rules? <laughs> I mean, I... Well, look, there's obviously... There's eight laws, right? And I think most people who've played Warhammer, for, um, Warhammer Fantasy would be pretty familiar with this anyway. But it's essentially representing, like, I guess, what the different sort of, um, the different sort of schools of magic that are out there, right? I mean, I know the empire's got their different like, like academies that they put wizards into, right? Colleges, colleges yeah. is what I meant to say. <laughs> High schools, the uh... yeah. <laughs> um, do you reckon they have like a college football team and like? Do you I'm they sure do? they do. No, it'd be a blood bowl team. <laughs> yes, we're here representing the College of Fire. Yeah. Um, imagine it's like, mom, mom, I got into, I got into fire college. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, I guess there's like a bunch of different disciplines with the magic in Warhammer fantasy. Um, there's obviously, there's like eight rule book laws, um, that sort of are kind of your generic laws that, you know, some armies get access to some don't. And then obviously most army books have got their own law as well. Like, you know, there's a, there's the orc magic laws, there's high magic, there's dark elf magic. What else? There's um, undead have got some, you know, yeah. undead magic and all that. So yeah. there's lots of different like magic laws out there. We'll probably cover off on some other stuff at a later point. But, um, you know, do you have any fluff stuff you really want to go into with this? Or is it sort of... No, nah, we'd be here forever. Yeah. So let's just jump in and talk talk the actual, uh, talk the business. So yeah. Law of Fire. What's the what's the gist of law of fire, Frank? I really like this law. Do you? Yes. This uh, when sixth edition first came out, this is the one that I played the most. Mm-hmm. The law of fire. It's primarily direct damage spells. So it's basically just summoning like fireballs and throwing them at people. Yeah, pretty much for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the cool spells, uh, the conflagration of doom, which is. It's kind of a poor man's Flames of the Phoenix. But anyway, before the High Elf book had come out, I played this a lot. So do we want to just go through the um, spells in they, order first? 
Yeah, I think we just do a really quick summary on each spell. Some of them, yep. I, I think what we'll find with some of these laws are there are going to be certain spells that are almost the exact same spell across multiple laws, right? Yeah, that's right. Like there's a few laws that have got like... Well, know, every every law has a magic missile. Just about, yeah. So, so um, do we need to talk about what a magic missile is? It's a magic spell and it follows the rules for shooting. So yep. you've got to have line of sight... There's a and range. That's it. Yeah, yeah right. there's a range, and you can't you can't cast. I mean, I, I think the one thing to note with all these is like you can't cast a spell onto an enemy unit in combat unless otherwise specifically specified. Says, so, yeah. just assume that you're not casting <clears throat> anything on someone that's in combat unless it tells you that that's what you can do. Yep. So, so should we just start with fireball, which yeah, is the straight fire, up? Yeah, fireball five plus to cast twenty four inch range d six strength four hits magic missile. Pretty straightforward. I think yep. there's three or four different laws that have got almost the exact same spell. Yeah. So all, all the law all the law of fire spells count as flammable or count as flaming. Yep. Um, Which pretty much in 99% of games doesn't impact anything. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's really only if you come up against the treeman. Or a tomb lord. Or a tomb lord. <laughs> or, or if you come up against trolls. That have oh, yeah, anything with regeneration. That's yeah. about it, really. Yep. Um, we, we will say as well that the first spell in every law is essentially the default spell that you can choose. So you roll your dice with, you know, however, you know, you, let's say you've got a level four wizard. Yeah. You roll four dice um, and, you know, then that, that determines what spells you get. You can always default one of those down to number one, yep. which in this case is fireball. So pretty straightforward. It's a, it's a, a pretty low casting magic missile. Not going to do a whole lot of damage, but it's quite useful for you know, plucking that last wound off a, off a wizard that's hanging around or... It's good for killing things like fast cavalry units. Skirmishing units, little, yeah. little annoying units. Um, yeah. Redirector type of units. Yep. Yep. Doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but if sometimes you roll a six and it ends up killing off a fast cav unit, which is nice, so... Yeah, but remember it's also good because if you cast it, then your opponent has to decide if they're going to dispel it and they don't know exactly how much damage it's going to do. Yeah. And most wizards, like, you're typically happy to roll, like, it's a five plus to cast, pick up two dice, pretty good yeah. chance you're going to get it off. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, next up, we have Flaming Sword of Ruin. So, essentially, yeah. the wizard summons, like, a big flaming magical sword. Yeah. It remains in play. So, you cast it, and then it stays on until you either cast another spell with that wizard, or unless you opt to end the spell of your own accord, which you can do. Or if your wizard gets killed, which is pretty likely if you send him into combat <laughs> with his flaming sword. Yeah, so, this is, I must say, and I, I, I think you've just hit the nail on the head with this spell, <laughs> is like, there's there's actually a few spells that we're going to come across a, a, yep. on, in different laws where you look at it and you go, why? This sounds cool, but like, why would I put my wizard into a combat? Like, yep. you, I'm asking for him to be killed, basically. Because yep. wizards, as we know, can't wear armor. Um, usually have crappy toughness. Yep, usually have bad weapon skill, bad toughness, no armor. And not many attacks. And you are just asking for trouble if you put them into combat. Yeah. So Also, the other problem you have is the magic phase occurs after the movement phase. Yes. So in essence, you've got to charge your wizard into combat and then try and cast the spell. Yes. <clears throat> so there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. Yeah, so you're kind of like, you. there's no real reliable plan that you can put in place where you go, okay, I'm going to charge my wizard into a combat and then cast this spell on him and then kill a bunch of stuff because your opponent probably sees it coming and just goes, 
Okay, I'm going to dispel that. Yeah, but, and okay. it's even though he gets a pretty good buff to his stats, it's not really good enough to yeah. um, make him worth worth all the sacrificing. Effort. Yeah, well, um, let's, let's just say what the spell does, right? You, yep. You cast it on the wizard himself. Um, he basically gets he, essentially a, a flaming sword appears in his hand, and it counts as a magic weapon. He gains plus one attack. Um, he also will always hit on a two plus, and he gets plus three strength. But let's face it, most wizards have got one attack. So you, you're, you're basically going, right, my wizard's now got one extra attack and he's probably going to... Need streak six. He's probably going to do like, you know, a couple of wounds or something to something, right? It's just not... Yeah, where it's useful is characters that have already got good stats um, and are a wizard. So like an exalted demon or something... Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, cast that's, that's pretty spells. good. Yep. If they get this, then suddenly prince. they're a whole demon lot prince. scarier. Yeah, that's fair. Right, because if their base strength, what, five or something? Yeah, that's true. And they go up to eight with a couple, you know, an extra attack and they automatically hit on a two, suddenly they're super scary. Yeah. I, I could make an argument for like a chaos sorcerer with this as well, because they've, they've typically got like chaos armor. Mm -hmm. If they're mounted, they've probably got a two up save. Yeah. So I could make an argument for it, like you could use this That's on, right. say, a Chaos Sorcerer. So where you've got a wizard who already has pretty good base stats, yeah. suddenly this becomes useful. Yeah. For your average, like Empire or Wizard or Elven High Wizard, wizard or, or something. Yeah, Skin, skin Priest. Skin Priest. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So generally speaking, I think we, we both agree if you roll this spell up, unless you have, like, unless you've already rolled the number one spell, you pretty yeah. much almost always default this down to the number one spell, yeah, right? basically. Yeah. Which is a shame because otherwise it's cool. It is cool. Um, it's cool. It's yeah. just not very practical when you're trying to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three is Fiery Blast, which you cast. Oh, we, we haven't really talked about the casting. I mean, that's Flaming Sword was a six plus, by the way. It's pretty easy to cast, but once again, you're probably not going to use it. Fiery Blast, eight plus. It's a 2d6 strength four magic missile, 24 inch range. Yeah. That's it's a beefed up version of the fireball. Pretty standard spell. Yep. There's a few laws that got something similar. It's it's pretty good. Like it's a good. Yeah. It, I feel like if you're in most instances, if someone casts a two d six strength four hit magic missile on you, you do feel like you need to dispel it. Depends what they cast it on. Yeah. If it's a big block of troops, it's not as useful. Yeah, but think. But about if it's it. a smaller. When you say big, how big, like if I'm casting, let's say if I cast that against your block of say 20 high off spearmen, yeah. there's a decent chance if I roll, if I roll, you know, a reasonable well, number, I'm probably killing a rank, right? Well, so, half, halfway is seven, right? Yeah. I mean, it depends how many dice you've got and how much. Yeah, well, that's um, true. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously... You know, what stage in the game it is, but yeah, that's against true. a unit of infantry, I'm always kind of hum and hard because there's a good chance that you'll roll, say, three hits. And yeah. then it was a waste of time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, spearmen are there to soak up Yeah, damage. that's true. I mean, look, I, I guess it's one of those things where... But if you cast it against a unit of, like, five fast cavalry, yes. it's almost certain to obliterate them. So yeah. that's where it's or a these chariot. types of spells. Yeah, or a chariot or, yep. a, like, some missile troops. Or it's great for those little skirmishing units of five yeah. or six models and you, you, yeah. you have a pretty good chance of just wiping them out. So. Yeah, in a unit with a limited number of um, hit points. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think we both agree it's a good spell. Yeah. And eight plus to cast. If you throw three dice at it, you've got a pretty good chance of getting it off. Yeah. 
you could you could conceivably roll two dice and, and have a reasonable chance, but like you're probably what you you're talking fifty fifty at that stage really, or maybe less than fifty fifty. Less than fifty fifty. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up we have Burning Head. Yep, Burning Head. Um nine this plus. Is, this is a bit crap to be honest. I I yeah, I just I don't really see it. So poor poorer range than the fiery blast, because it's only eighteen inches and the the gimmick with this one is you just draw a line and everything that's under the line takes a hit. So if there happens to be a lot of stuff in front of you, you can hit multiple units or you can, you can um, sort of potentially hit multiple units. Probably the advantage of it is... You could you pick can, out miniatures. I mean, you, you could, could hit stuff cheeky. that's out of line of sight. Yes, or behind terrain or something. Yeah. You can, which is quite cheap. So that's where it's jammy, right? So if you've got, say, uh, uh, an enemy model or a wizard or something who's hiding behind a unit of troops, you can shoot the burning head straight through the unit of troops. Um, and hit and the it, wizard. And yeah. hit the wizard as, yeah. it, as it travels, yeah. right? So the problem is that's kind of situation specific. So... Yeah. One cheeky thing that it does, obviously because it, it, it hits every model that's in that line, yeah. you could where it's different to say like a magic missile where you might cast a magic missile at a unit of 10 archers uh -huh. and you might roll a Three. four, whatever. Yeah. And at best you're killing what four dudes. Yeah. Whereas with this potentially, if you could, if you could be a little bit cheeky, if you, let's say you have a, a good example would be like a, a demon prince or something that can fly mm -hmm. with the law of fire, you might fly him around to the flank and you might target the flank of this unit and you, you essentially could hit all, you know, the whole unit if they're sitting there in a line. Like it's one of these... It's one or of these you could spells. just charge your Demon Prince into the archers. <laughs> I know, but what I'm getting at is what if your Demon Prince is... I'm just using an example. You've hidden yeah. behind a forest so he didn't get shot at yeah, and yeah. then you fly him over the forest. You, you're not going to be able to charge because he couldn't see initially. Yeah. What I'm getting at is, look, I think we both agree it's a spell that's quite limited in terms of... You can it, only really... It's situation specific. Yeah, but there are, there are some cool situations where you could actually do some really, really decent damage with it. Yeah. You could literally just smoke a unit because you've managed to hit every model in it. Yeah. But the scenario of that happening, you have to do a lot of things to make that actually... Yeah, that's happen. right. So, anyway, I think I think we skip over that. It's not much of a. It's well, probably it's probably it's all there is to do with that one. Yeah. Um, so conflagration of doom. This is a fun one. I love this one. I really love this one. Cast so, on eleven yeah. plus. So, it can be a tricky one to cast, especially for low level guys. A level one guy is probably not going to cast it. A level two guy can only roll three dice, so it's kind of a fifty fifty. Yep. Um, but it's D6 strength for hits. Um, no, no range. No targeting so restriction. You can, yeah. you can attack anything anywhere on the board. D6 strength for, and then what happens is you both roll a D6, and if you, as the the caster, roll higher than your opponent, then you do that many hits again. Yes. So you're essentially, there's the possibility and it keeps going. So there's a, it's yep. essentially like a flame that continues to burn on this, yep. on this unfortunate target. So you keep going until the defender rolls higher. Yeah. And I have had a situation, I was playing against, um, who was it that I was up against that did this? Oh, I'm trying to remember. 
I played somebody like a while back and they cast this and we did the roll off, I reckon six or seven times and we kept winning. <laughs> and so the same unit, the same unit just took like D6 hits, D6 hits, D6 hits. It was insane. It went, it kept going for like, it wasn't until like the sixth or seventh roll where I finally managed to roll higher and then the spell ended. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but to give you an idea, like it's a, I personally think with this spell, the, the real value is that you can pick a target anywhere on the board. Yeah. So someone who's hiding a great way, it's a good mage, like a good kind of wizard assassination yeah. spell. If, if, if someone's got their wizard hiding at the back of the board or in mm -hmm. a forest or they might have a little unit that's hiding somewhere, maybe it's skirmishes or whatever. The real value in it for me is that you can pick a unit that's hiding anywhere and, and cast it on them. And then if you manage to roll high enough and you continue to get the, the D6 hits every time, well, that's just a bonus to me. It's more that you're actually, you've basically got a D6 strength or hit spell that you can get yep. cast on anybody. That's the, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. my kind of take on it really. Yep. But it's fun when you do occasionally get those situations where you keep rolling really well, it just keeps going. You could end yep. up with three, four, five D6 hits on a unit, which is obviously pretty useful. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Any more to add? Um, no, I think that one's that's kind of explains itself. Yep. Um, and then the last one's Wall of Fire, which I always thought was a bit of a mixed bag, if I'm honest. Yep. So, twenty four inch range. You've got you need line of sight, and you cast it on an enemy unit. <clears throat> and then what happens is a you get a wall of fire in front of the the enemy troops. Each guy in the front rank gets hit by the wall of fire and takes a strength four hit. And then the wall, it, it remains in place. So the, the wall stays on the board. If any troops move through it, they take a strength four hit. Otherwise, it just, it just stays there. So it's a little bit kind of random. Um, it's sort of one of these spells that does two things. Because it does some damage, but it also, I guess, impacts your opponent's decision-making. Like, are they going to move their unit or not? Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't block line of sight, um, but it does, it can potentially block troops if they want to move through. Again, that's situation-specific, though. So there's just not that many instances where you want to try and stop a unit moving forward and this is the uh, best way to do it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, you could... Well, against units and knights or something, they'll just move straight through it and ignore it. Yeah, because it's like... Well, they might lose a guy, yeah, but who cares? Yeah, it's not if they've worth, got a good armor save, yeah. it's not really... If it blocked line of sight, it would be infinitely more useful because then guys couldn't charge through it. It'd be really useful against, like, I guess if you had a big unit of infantry in front of you that were kind of lining up a charge, maybe it's some, I don't know, yeah, you're but, up against... Yeah, when does a unit of infantry get a charge I mean, no you're right no i get it i guess what i'm yeah it, it, you, i don't know it's one of those situations yeah. as you said it might be situations yeah. like it, it might come up but it's just not the sort of thing that's going to be a, a valid yeah. tactic for every single game i think the main problem here is it's also it's also casting value 12 so yeah. like if even even with like a level four wizard you're probably going to want to throw four dice at yeah it. and like that's that's a fair chunk of your dice and like do you you've probably Assuming you've got a couple of the other spells in, like, you know, assuming you've got something like Fiery Blast, Fireball, 
conflagration. You've got yep. you've got other spells that if you're going to throw four dice at something, why are you throwing four dice at this? Like because it doesn't on its own, it doesn't do that much damage because it only hits the front rank, yeah. right? So for most units, that's going to be maybe five hits. But so that's what you're doing off the board, off would, the bat. Would a character or champion get a lookout sir, though? I don't. Yeah, think they, they would. would. They would, would they? Yeah, because it's a template. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, well, look, I think we can both agree it's a pretty situational spell, right? It's just overpriced, I think, for what it is. Like, the casting yeah. value is too high. To justify doing it, yeah. Yeah. I think if that casting value is, what, like, eight? Yeah. Where, like, a level two could feel confident of getting it off, then, yeah. you know, you feel like you're not, like, spending too many dice for it to work. But compared to, say, Fiery Blast, like, given the option, you're going to want to cast Fiery Blast, yeah. really. Yeah. So that's a much better spell. So. Yeah. I'd say, do we want to do a quick summary? The best spells on this law, I think, are the Fiery Blast, the Conflagration of Doom, or just well, the Fireball. The straight-up Fireball as well, yeah. So I think those yeah. three are the standouts. The, they're all pretty useful. The other three are fairly situational limited. and limited. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's a fun law. I don't yeah. think, like, oh, pretty much everything in that law does damage. Like, it's all... Yeah, it's a it's, direct damage law. Yeah. That's the point. It's a bit of fun. So, yeah. All right. Shall we move on to yeah. Law of Metal? Yeah. Now, Lore of Metal, was this one of the ones that got the update? No. Or was, no, it wasn't. Okay, that's fine. So, Lore of Metal, I guess, is all about, like, you know... Um, metal. It is about metal. <laughs> I can confirm it's about metal. Not the not the music genre, but the... Uh, you that'd, know, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess with this lore, it's more to do with, like, this is a really interesting lore. This is potentially one of my favorite laws. Probably because you've got a, it's a real toolbox of different of different things that you can do. I'll, I'll, um, I'll throw this out there because this is something that's kind of irked me for a while. Yes. Um, a lot of the laws, the way that they're written, it seems to me like whoever was writing them had assumed the wizards would get all of the spells in the law rather than having to ah. randomly roll for which ones you get. So while we're comparing editions, if I talk about like fourth and fifth edition magic, the way that the magic rules worked is it came in a separate box. Yeah. And you had loads of cards. So what would happen is when you randomize your spells, you would draw cards out of the deck. Yes. So what that meant is if one wizard got a particular spell, the next wizard wouldn't get the same spell. Yes. Yeah. So if you had two or three wizards and you all your wizards used the same law, you had more certainty of getting a certain spell. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I think 8th Ed did the same thing, but without the cards. Like you basically would have, if you took two wizards with the same law and one of them rolled a certain a certain spell... I think that's the way it works. The other one basically wouldn't be able to roll that same one, so you you sort of couldn't, you couldn't, you could, you could Are you obviously. Sure? I think so. Couldn't you choose if you rolled a double? You could choose. If you rolled a like double, that. you could choose. But what I'm getting at is that if Wizard A yeah has a particular spell, Wizard B then can only they they can't roll that spell unless I think unless all the spells had already been rolled or oh, something okay. like that. I mean, I could be wrong, but. I guess, like we're, the, I guess the, you and I are not really focused that much on 8th then anyway. Yeah, but like, the, yeah. the point that I want to make is, I think, well, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but the way that some of the spell laws 
read to me because there's quite a lot of spells which are only useful in a certain situation yes it kind of seems like the original intention was a wizard would have all of the spells on the list yeah it's possibly so true i've actually been playing that way recently yep um and it's a lot of fun but anyway the official way is you roll yep. on the list and you get whatever you roll but you can as you say you can swap for the first spell on the list so yeah one thing I would say, by the way, and this is actually, this is another one of these things where people make the assumption um, without actually reading it in the book. Um, in 6th edition, you don't actually write your law on as part of your list. Like it's not, mm. it's not built into your army what law you're using, yep. meaning that you can turn up for a game. If you're, if you're playing in a little event or something or a gaming day and you're playing two or three games in a day, you, you rock up and, and see what you're facing across the table and then you actually choose what laws you're going to use. Yeah. So it's actually not a situation where, oh, I've picked the law of fire and I always have to use the law of fire every game. It's actually it's actually like, oh, well, now I'm up against a different army. I might choose a different law this time. So you can actually kind of choose your law with each wizard gets to choose you know whatever laws they've got available to them. They get to choose that game by game, which is actually a thing that people don't, quite realize about this edition is like you can actually just you don't have to kind of plan your whole list around a set law because you've actually got the option of changing it game to game so anyway just an interesting thing that people often get wrong but should we just do yeah jump so, in, Laura so we'll get into the spells yep so the rule of burning iron casts on a three plus it's a magic missile uh with a range 24 now here's where it gets tricky. This is you something you've you you pointed I, out to me. We've, yes, we've yes. crossed swords over this before, but <laughs> I think you're right the way that it's written because it says the spell hits a single model chosen by the caster and causes one strength three hit if the target has no armor, a strength four hit if they have a five plus, um, and a strength five hit if they have an armor save of four plus or better. So you can shoot this into a unit of troops and hit a character. Or a champion or something. Yeah. yeah. And it only needs a three to cast. Yeah. So so the thing is, it still follows the magic missile, the, the usual magic missile rules of being like, you've got to be able to see what you're casting it at. Yes. And you can't, you know, um, you can't cast it at something that's in combat, for example, but you... Basically, where it, where it is a little different is it, it specifically says that you're picking a model, not a unit, a mm -hmm. model, and that's what you're casting it at. So this is where you might go, I'll, I'll target that character, I'll target that champion in that unit, whatever it might be. Um, but if it's basically the, the strength of the hit is determined by their armor save. So if they've got no armor save or armor save of 6+, plus, it hits with strength 3, armor save of 4+, plus, uh, sorry, armor save of 5+, plus, it's a strength 4 hit. Armor um, save of four plus or better, and it's a strength five hit. Yeah, it's a, it's a little sniping tool basically. You can yeah. snipe models out of a unit. I really like it for for casting value of three plus. You can you can pick up one dice and have a go at it. Like if you've got one dice left at the end of your phase, yeah, you that's just right. Chuck it in. I think it's quite fun. You can you can <clears> certainly if you can manage to knock a wound off someone's you know battle standard or something in the first turn or someone's little wizard, all of a sudden that becomes almost a must-stop spell from that point onwards. Yeah. Because if you try it again turn two, the person's like, well, 
I'm not going to let you kill my battle standard. I'm not going to let you like, it's almost <laughs> yeah. like, it's almost like an insult that it happens. So it's yeah. sort of like your opponent all of a sudden now, it, it almost kind of has a bit of a psychological effect. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And if you roll, a, if you're, if you choose to roll one dice to cast it, worst case, you don't cast it. You've lost one dice, but usually if your opponent wants them to spell it, they're probably going to have to roll two dice to feel confident. So Mm. You might roll a five to cast it, and your opponent's looking at going, "Oh Just man, to waste two dice. I've got to waste yeah. two dice on this." So, yeah, I think it's a really good spell. Like, yep. I think, yeah, for what it for what it is to cast, I think it's, yeah, pure value. So, yeah, anything else? Um, not for that one. Yep. All right, we'll jump on to Commandment of Brass, mm-hmm. which is cast on a six plus, lasts one turn. So the spell has a range of 24, can be cast on an enemy war machine or chariot, which is visible to the caster, um, and which is not engaged in close combat. If successfully cast, the machine cannot move or cannot shoot until the end, and yes, until the end of its own following turn. Um, so it, basically they miss a turn. Yeah, which... Pretty good for a chariot. awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you can stop. You can stop someone's chariot from charging you. Yeah. You can stop that cannon from shooting at yep. you. I think that's an awesome spell. Yep. It is obviously a little situational, but I think. Yeah. I think most of the time you're going to have a target. Like you know, you, there, yes, there might be some armies where that's it's just irrelevant, but you've got a pretty decent chance of being up against something that you can cast it on. I think. I don't know. I would say it's still situational, and it's only got a twenty-four inch range. Lots of armies have no chariots. Um, and quite a few armies have no or limited war machines. So once again, though, I think this comes back to what we talked about before, where because you can pick what law you're going to use at the time of like when the game's sort of about to start. Yeah. That's where it's relevant because you might come up and go, oh, okay, I'm up against the chaos army with, you know, three chaos chariots. Okay, well, I might choose Law of Metal because there's a few spells in here that are well, going to come in useful. I mean, it is, but to be fair, like I've played you many times and I've never seen you choose Law of Metal. I've seen you play the exact same law every game because your army's built around having a certain law. Mm. Say you choose Law of Metal because your opponent's got three chariots, but if you don't roll that one spell, then it's I not would, useful. Uh, so, yeah, firstly, we I have played you with a few different laws, so I haven't. I definitely haven't <laughs> stuck to the one law. Okay. But you're right in that I don't think I've played this law against you, but yeah. I certainly have. I recall a game against, um, I played Chris, Chris Lowe, and he had Warriors of Chaos. Yeah. And he had, I think, two or three chariots. And each turn, I was just stopping one of them from doing anything. <laughs> and it was annoying as hell for him because he's like trying to, he's trying to line up a charge. Yeah. And I've just shoved a unit forward and then cast the spell on him. And he's just like, he had other spells to dispel. So he, he had to make choices and he had to yeah, let yeah. that through. And then all of a sudden it's like, cool, that, that chariot's just not a threat right now. Like yeah. I don't have to I don't have to stress that that chariot's gonna gonna you know punch a hole in my line. Like it, it just sits there. So it I actually really enjoyed using it. It was a yeah, you're right. You wouldn't use it in every single game, but I think it's actually when it's when it's useful, it's really useful. And like being able to put it on someone's war machine would be just infuriating. Like, <laughs> so, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The last game I played, someone cast a similar spell on my dragon, but it was the Slanesh spell where the, you can cast on anything. Yes. But anyway. Yeah. My dragon just couldn't move for a turn. Pretty yep. annoying. So yeah, it's a great spell. Um, yep. But again, I would say kind of situational. This oh. is where I think um, 
<clears throat> like it's cool if the wizards can use every spell on the list. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But yeah, again, that's a house rule. So yeah, and look, yeah. obviously, what we're talking about, we kind of alluded to this when we when we spoke about the the movement phase and stuff, right? Like, I think, I think you know play warhammer the way you want to play warhammer right so like you know if, you, yeah, if you're totally. playing if you're playing with your mates you invite people around and you're having a, a game at your club or at your garage or whatever like just you know if there's certain rules that you want to tweak that would work for you as a player and as a as a if both of you are happy with it then i don't see a problem right yeah yeah anyway uh, but otherwise a pretty useful spell yep um all right next one is transmutation of lead so 24 inch range eight plus to cast yeah, and you don't need line of sight, but it does have to be a unit which is already in close combat. So this is one of the rare examples where they do basically let you do yeah. that. Yeah. This is the other way around. It has to be in close combat. Yes. You can't cast it on them yes. if it's not in close combat. Um, so, okay, so what happens is all of the enemy's um, equipment turns to lead, so they get minus one to hit um, for the attacks that they make back to you and they get minus one armor save. But it's only for, is it for the whole, uh, it's for the next close combat phase. Yes. So this is another last one turn yes. um, type of spell. I think this is an excellent spell. Yeah. Um, that can this has a lot of uses. That can completely turn a combat on its head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the minus one to hit is a big, um, a big buff. Yeah, because obviously in six there you don't have a whole lot of attacks usually. Like you're dealing with a unit fighting. With, really, most of the time it's the front rank fighting. Maybe there's a character or something, but it's usually like you're not talking about a huge bucket load of attacks in most instances. So. Being able to take it, you know, take um, minus one off that dice roll each time yeah. is just so good. Thinking about um, when you would actually use this though, so in your own turn, if you've charged in and you cast the spell, um, you're hoping to kill enough of the enemy that they don't get that many attacks back. Um, against you well it's, it's a double it's a double sort of effect really because yep. you've got it would be a good spell already if it was just minus one to their armor save mm -hmm. it would also be a good spell if it was minus one to their to hit rolls but it does both yeah so you're actually more likely to kill more of them and yep. you're less likely to have your guys being killed as well so yep. it's sort of it does both of those things yep. it probably on your average combat, I mean, I, I'm not using any exact statistics on this, but I imagine you're probably, it probably means one or two less of your guys get killed and you're maybe killing one or two more of theirs. So it's like... Yeah, it's it definitely be... enough to shift the, the results of a combat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's good if you're charging in, you can use it. Or if you've been charged and your guys are stuck in combat, mm. then that can be a useful thing as well. It also kind of, it, it helps to sort of, I guess... You know, you get some of those units where it's like, oh, I'm up against some knights with a two plus armor save. Mm -hmm. And this kind of does help you, you know, especially, I mean, you might be fighting them with something with strength five. Maybe you've got a guy with a, a you know, a weapon or whatever, like a, like a, you know, a, a strength four character with a sword of might is fighting against them. 
And all of a sudden, if you get this spell off, now instead of it being a four plus armor save that they've got, because of the the you know, because of the armor piercing that you're already doing, now it's now it's a five plus. Like that's a huge that's a huge swing in that, you know. Like you yeah. could all of a sudden you're you're probably killing an extra knight or whatever with that. I just think it's a really well, yeah, that plus whatever your rank and file dudes are doing as well. So I don't know. I think I think that's one of the best spells in that law for sure. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Is there anything more to say? I think it's good. Yeah, it's good for the casting value that it is. I mean, yeah. Without kind of nitpicking, I just I have a. I kind of think there's a reason not many people choose these types of laws. Um, like it's definitely a cool spell, but it's one of those again sort of situational. Like you have to wait for someone to get into combat and then it's kind of like it's a small bonus rather than a huge smashing bonus whereas like the conflagration of doom spell that we talked about before like that can kill units that you otherwise wouldn't have any other way of killing yeah that's true Um, i do think or even the commandment of brass like being able to stop Mm. a unit from moving yeah or shooting to me that's much more useful than the small bonus in combat um yeah i think this does help though in like a grinding it helps in those grinding combats like if if someone's already charged and like both sides have held or whatever yep you then maybe you're into the maybe they've charged in their phase and now it's your turn yep and all of a sudden you're let's say you've managed to you've rolled okay and managed to hold that first round now all of a sudden you can flip that combat around with you know the minus one on the armor yeah. minus one. Like I just think it's pretty useful. But as it you is, said, but the thing is you've got to you've got to choose the law of metal, then you've got to end up with the spell. So you have to roll it, and you have to choose to keep it and not swap it for one of the others. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then you have to wait for the situation to come up. I just think most people would rather choose spells for their wizard where they know they're going to be able to use it every turn, which is yeah. why a lot of players opt for just direct damage spells. Yeah. Because you can pretty much always use that. The way I look at it, though, is you've also, if you've rolled okay, you're going to be able to choose the rule of burning iron mm-hmm. anyway. Like, you're going to be able to default something to that. Yeah. And, you know, if you've managed to get, say, let's say it's a level four wizard, and you've you've also got, say, the, the next one we're about to talk about, which is a really useful spell. Mm-hmm you've probably got a couple of damage spells already. You've kind of then got like, okay, well, I've got some stuff that does damage. And then you're kind of, I guess, looking at it and going, well, what spells are useful for me that, um, you know, kind of do other stuff? Because that's what the law of metal is. There's a couple of damage spells and then there's a bunch of spells that kind of are a bit of a toolbox. Yeah. Of, of and we'll talk so, about them next. But anyway. I mean, of all the spells, probably the transmutation of lead is the least useful one in the law. Okay. Uh, yeah, I that's don't know. my uh, yeah. That's that's my. That's your take on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my that's take. Fair. Right. That's fair. So um. So all right. next one up. Distillation yeah. of molten silver. So this is just your two d six strength four magic missile. Eight plus. Twenty four inch range. Yeah. So fire it's, attack. It's exactly right. the same yeah. as the fiery blast yeah. from the law of fire. We know what it does. Yeah. Yeah. So Nothing that's more to say. that's a pretty good spell. That's always useful. Yeah. Um. The next one is law of gold. So nine plus. Um. See, I would say this is the least useful in my well, opinion. See, it does some I, cool stuff, but like I, once again, mm. I wouldn't because this lets you do something that you can't do any other way. So, um, if anyone's familiar with the High Elf Army book, this is the poor man's version of the Vols Unmaking spell. 
So you cast on an enemy unit. Um, well, it's a character, isn't it? Or you, yeah, you pick oh, a model? Can, enemy unit. No, no. So you pick an enemy unit. Oh, okay. Um, now, the opposing player can nominate one magic item. Yes. Carried by any of the models of the unit. Then you roll a d6. On a 1 to 4, you can't use that magic item for the rest of the turn. Yep. And on a 5 plus, it's out of the game. So... Again, it's only a, like, it's, it's not sort of a guaranteed get rid of the magic item, um, but it does have a chance of doing that. So my, I guess my feeling is if you cast it, your opponent's going to kind of scramble to dispel it. So it's a good opportunity to get them to waste dispel dice. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a good way to get rid of things like magic banners, yeah. Um, which well, often imagine, are game changers. Imagine getting rid of... What's that high off one that gives you D3 power dice? Banner of Sorcery. Yeah, so you put exactly. you cast that and all yeah. of a sudden, like if they lose that banner even for a turn, that's that's a, that's a big difference to yeah. like their next magic phase. So yeah, yeah I agree. Switching off someone's war banner. Yeah. Be quite good. Yeah. Um, there's quite a lot of magic banners, like banners that give... Um, give a unit frenzy or something, or even like um, heroes with magic weapons or magic armor. Yeah, that's true. So there's quite a lot of the, well, there's quite a lot of armies, especially dwarfs, where they've often got lots of runes lumped on one. Yeah, that's one, true. Um, like a weapon with three runes on. Yeah. So if you can get rid of that for a turn, that'll make a big difference to the combat. Yeah, but here's my, here's my counter argument. And this kind of goes back to what you said with some of these other spells, which is... Um, like the person remember it's the opponent that's picking what item mm-hmm. that they're switching off so for example you might go okay i'll cast on that dwarf unit mm. with that dwarf lord in it and you re- remember you can't cast this spell into combat right and it doesn't it doesn't give you any way of casting into combat so he might go okay well i'll just switch off one of my runes on my weapon oh yep okay i rolled the one to four results so it's just temporarily off for a, a turn yeah, and then it's like okay, well that didn't affect me at all, and maybe unless they're unless they're kind of then going into combat straight away. So hang on, is it? Um, uh, it cannot be used until the end of the enemy's next turn. So, like, unless, if they charge you, yeah, they can't use it. But they're dwarves as well, right? So like, if you well, it could if, be anyone. You could cast it on. Of anyone. course, of course. But what I mean is like. It, unless that person's then in a position to charge you, mm. they might just go, okay, well. Yeah. I'll charge you anyway. Yeah. But then well, they lose their, but you know, so there's lots of, yeah. I mean, again, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's a nice spell. I just think that like for me, if I'm, if I'm, you'd the rather one, have the transmutation would, of lead. I'd rather have the transmutation of lead, which is lower to cast. And I think does a more, put it this way, the transmutation of lead for me, when I compare that versus law of gold, mm-hmm. the transmutation of lead, um, gives you a very clear, like you know exactly what it's going to do. You're getting the minus one to hit for them to hit you mm-hmm. and the minus one to their armor. This could do something or it could do really almost nothing. Yep. And the, the opponent is the one picking what item is being selected. Yep. So they might just go, okay, well, I'll, 
I'll temporarily switch off this item that doesn't really have any impact on what's about to happen. Well, so it so, depends how many magic items there are in the unit you cast them of on. Of course. Yeah. If there's only one, then yeah. it's that. Yeah, so, I think I think what you said about the magic banner is probably the, the, the best use for it. Yeah. 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 I, I think, yeah. Look, either way, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's a nice spell. It's similar. It's kind of just one of these ones where you've got to pick the moment to use it or pick the right target. Like, yep. if you don't pick the right target it might not really be particularly useful. So, because it, I mean, it doesn't work against anything that doesn't have a magic item. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, the last one is the Bane of Forged Steel. So, this one's pretty useful, depending on what you cast it on. Yeah. Um, but only a 12-inch range and 11 to cast. So, a little bit tricky to get it off, but basically what happens is it gets rid of the enemy unit's weapons. So... Basically, they just get no weapon bonus for the rest of the battle. So if it's a unit with great swords, then they lose their plus two strength bonus. They've just got hand weapons now. Yeah, they just have hand weapons. Because it literally their weapon just falls apart. Like so you can cast it on a unit of knights and they lose their lances, yeah. for example. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Um, it's really the range which is a problem. Yes. Because you're not going to get this off on the first turn unless your opponent literally just run straight up in front of you like with some like you know if they've got like a fast unit that they may run it right up in front of you yeah you might be well, able if you've got to a wizard it, on a horse or something then maybe but yeah, you know, yeah you've got to get right up in the enemy's face to be able to yeah absolutely to do anything yeah yeah but being able to switch someone's weapon off and doing it at the right time would be amazing yeah. as you said like you, you've got that unit of cavalry like facing off against you they're about to charge you you know that that charge is coming next turn yeah if you manage to get this off I mean, this to me would be like, if you're the opponent in that situation, you have to dispel that. Pretty much. You really don't want to... You don't If you're want, Bretonians, you don't want your Grail Knights to lose all their lances on exactly, the turn before they charge. Exactly. So you, you basically are in a position where that's a must-stop spell. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. But it's also 11 to cast, so... Yeah, you, you want to be throwing probably four dice to feel confident. Yeah. Well, three, you could get it off with three, but like, you know, you, if, if, you, if you're serious about getting it off, like you really you really want to be throwing four to five dice. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can, so, we take a, can we take a quick break? Yeah, absolutely. So we're back. To shadow magic. That's it. That's it. So, Laura's shadow. Um, this works quite a lot differently to, you know, what, if you're like, I guess someone that's played a lot of 8th edition, the Laura's Shadow in this in this is really quite different. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, Steed of Shadows, cast on a 4+. plus. Um, the wizard casts um, the spell on himself or any other friendly independent character model within 12 inches. Um, if successfully cast, you can make a fly move of up to 20 inches. You can fly um, out of close combat um, or you could fly into another close combat, provided that you would you have been in a position to have charged somebody. So pretty much you get to pick a model up and fly in somewhere. So you can use it as a bit of a get, you know, get away sort of tactic, or you could use it to actually get into a combat. Yeah. Pretty useful, I think. As long as they're on foot, it's good for... Like armies 
For some reason, I often see vampires on foot in undead armies. Um, something like that, because it doesn't work on mounted models. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, you know, essentially any any spell that's giving you, like, you know, a 20-inch move across the battlefield yeah. is pretty good. Like, And it only needs a 4-plus to cast. Yeah, it's so, also good for a wizard to get away if he's being threatened by yep. enemy troops. So, yep, lots of uses for that one. Yep, um, and a cheap casting value. So, pretty good spell. Yep, easy. Um, next one is Creeping Death, which is cast on a six plus magic missile, range of twenty four. It does D six strength three hits, but no armor saves. Yeah, so pretty good for. Killing things like knights, which have normally got not amazing toughness, but high armor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, cheapy little magic missile with a bit of a bit of a twist. Yeah, good good spell for the casting value. Lore of Shadow is not really like a big damage law. Like it's yeah. really more kind of doing things either to you know, your models or doing things that might hinder your opponent, but without really <clears throat> kicking out a lot of damage. But this particular spell, that's quite useful. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you put that on someone's, you know, you, you cast that on someone's Silverhelm unit. Yeah. And you've got an awkward decision to make. Yeah. Because that could kill three, four models, like, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden that Silverhelm unit's not looking too scary. So definitely. Yeah. So one of those tricky ones that your opponent doesn't really want to have to yeah like you, you have to make that decision whether and you, you could it could really backfire if you choose not to dispel it so you know yeah um pelt of midnight which is a remains in place spell seven plus to cast um you cast on a friendly unit within 24 inches of the caster um all subsequent shooting directing directed at that unit requires a six to hit all weapons that require a like have a scatter dice like a war machine, will scatter automatically when targeting the unit. So you can't roll the hit result. Um, and then it continues to you know remain in play until dispelled by the opponent or if the wizard ends it or um, casts another spell or if the wizard dies. What do you make of that one? Um, the, the six to hit is pretty good. Mm. If you're up against... Um, an army with a lot of shooting, but only if it uses um, ballistic skill. So it obviously it doesn't do anything against, let's say, cannons that use an artillery dice instead. Um, so it depends. It depends what you've got. It's another one of those situation-specific spells. Um, but as someone who has an army with a lot of ballistic skill shooting. Great against I've, those come up against, I've come up against this type of thing before and it makes a big difference. It's pretty effective. So I think what it forces your opponent to do is pick a different target, basically. Because it's yeah. a, you're only casting it on one unit and it kind of you just cast it on something that you need to keep protected. Like it might be like your main combat unit that you need to sort of keep them intact so you can actually get them into combat. Yeah. Or it might just be even keeping a redirector intact, like, you know, so that you've got something to throw in front of somebody to stop them from, 
you know, stop them from charging you or whatever it might be. But this was used against me recently by some beast men who cast it on a Minotaur unit. So Minotaurs normally pretty easy to kill with shooting. Yeah. But suddenly, if you need a six to hit, it's not really worth. Yeah. Even shooting at them, you just shoot at something else. So, um, it's a great way of defending a unit which would otherwise be vulnerable. But again, it's situation specific. To, it depends who you're up against and what you've mm. what you've got. Do you want to take care of the next one? Sure. Um, the next one's the Shades of Death. I'm, I'm just trying to think if I have ever actually seen this used in a game. I think I think the last game that I played was the first time I'd ever seen anyone cast this. Hmm. So Remains in Play, cast on an 8. It affects one unit within six inches of the wizard, and it makes them cause fear. So most of the time, you, you're going to cast this on a unit which your wizard is in. Yep. Or maybe you've got the wizard right behind them. But yep. Um, it just makes your unit cause fear. So it's useful on a big unit of troops. Um where I've seen this used is when um, multiple units were charging into combat. So in this case, it was a beastmen unit. So there was some minotaurs charging in and also a load of infantry. Mm. And they had a wizard who cast the spell on the infantry. So it meant the minotaurs could do the damage. But then the defending troops would be outnumbered by fear causes. Yes. Yep. So it would give you the auto break. And obviously, fear in 6th edition is a big deal. Yeah. Like, it's a real game changer. Like, if mm -hmm. you've got units that cause fear, um, and I, I believe, you know, when you're, when you're playing this game or when you're building your list for, for a 6th edition game, you need to have, you need to factor some stuff and you, you need to, I guess, take some things in your list that are not going to, like, be worried about fear causes. Yeah, like you need to try and fit in some immune to psychology stuff or, you know, most, I think most armies have got stuff, you know, they, they have ways around it. Like there's ways of getting fear causes and there's ways of getting things that are immune to fear. Mm -hmm. But I think you've got to take it into account because you're going to come up against stuff that causes fear at some point. Um, yeah. But this, I guess, gives you a, I suppose in a way, this also helps you avoid, you know, if you've, if you're up against some undead or something like that. You could cast this on your own troops so that you're not auto breaking if you lose combat. You know what I mean? So like you yep. could actually use this as a bit of a defensive move. So yeah, I don't mind it. Does some good things. What do you reckon? For the casting value, it's okay. Yeah. It's well, the only issue I have with these types of spells is again, you're spending a lot of points on a wizard with no guarantee that you'll get any one spell. Mm. So it's okay, but you have to decide to take that over something else. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think we'll move on to Unseen Lurker. Yeah. Which I think is the best spell in the list. Yeah. So cast on a 10 plus, 24 inch range. Cast on a unit that is not already engaged in close combat. They immediately make a move of up to eight inches. Um, 
So the unit can charge an enemy within eight inches if they want to. Normal charge rules apply, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the enemy can only respond by holding their ground. Yeah, so they can't flee. Yeah, so it's a magical move. Mm-hmm. And it, you could also use it as a magical charge. Um, so many uses for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, if you've just failed a charge, like if you've if you've just tried to charge somebody and they've fled, for example, mm-hmm. this can be an opportunity to then charge them again or to charge another unit that they were trying to protect. Yep. Um, it's also good for like you could, you know, maybe walk your unit through some terrain or whatever, which would obviously slow them down and then mm-hmm. use this to charge out of it, you know? Yep. So there's, yeah, look, there's so many, in a game that's so, where movement is so important, this is allowing you to kind of yeah get another move in out of yeah. sequence which is amazing yeah, yeah. Obvi- obviously it's mainly useful for being able to charge out of the um movement phase yeah so but a good spell yep right and the last one is the pit of shades so there's no range needs an 11 basically you take the round template and drop it down on top of something and everybody gets hit. Um, well, you've got partials and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So normal template rule, uh, rules apply. Everyone takes a strength three hit. And then um, you roll a d6. On a one to three, the unit has to move at half speed for their next turn. And on a four plus, they're, they're just okay. And then that's it. So, I it's think all right, is, but it's only strength three. It's pretty underwhelming. For 11 plus to cast? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty underwhelming. I mean, you're not scattering, so it's like you do at least get to place it and it doesn't scatter. Yeah. But still. But for, it's, it's strength three. Like it's, yeah. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't see why... Yeah, I don't really see a situation where I'd really want to use it. So, I don't know. I think it's it's a shame because it like if it was strength 4, it's probably a bit of a different a different sort of because it's got no range. There. Um you can you can attack things anywhere on the board. So, say if you put it on a on a war machine, um Essentially, there's a four plus or a 50-50 chance that they then can't shoot the next turn because they have to climb out of the hole but on a one to three. Mm. Yeah. That's a turn. But it's 50-50, right? Like it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's one of these things where if it did that automatically... Yeah. That would be a different story. Yeah. So if it was like, okay, it does some strength three hits and... You move and you speed then, for a turn. Yeah. yeah you you'd sort of like, yeah, the, the moving situation is affected next turn. Yeah. It would totally change. The, Much more useful. Yeah. But the fact that that's 50-50 sort of means like, okay, it's doing a few strength three hits. Yeah. You might kill a couple of things, but then you basically, yeah, it, pro- it, it maybe just doesn't do anything after you that. D- you don't want to cast an 11 plus spell and it has no real effect on the game. No. no <laughs> I, 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 no, I agree. Really. Because the thing is, but here's the thing. You compare that to Creeping Death. 
which is only a six buster cast. So it's almost like half the casting value. Yeah. Which does, which does D6 strength three hits with ignoring armor saves. I would rather yeah. cast that. If I'm trying to do yeah. damage to someone, I'd rather cast that. Well, you'd rather cast Rule of Burning Iron, which only needs a three. Yeah. And you can snipe a character and, and just do a strength yeah. three hit yeah. or more. If well, from obviously different lore, but yeah, yeah but absolutely. There's, there's better spells that... It's one of those spells that like... There's it way, sounds really good, but it's just crap. There's way better damage spells out there. Yeah. And then the extra effect that it has is really only like a 50-50 chance anyway. So it's like, well, there's better damage yeah. spells and then there's other spells that I can use to kind of affect people's movement. So why would I bother? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's probably the weakest spell in, in the deck, really. Yeah. So overall, a pretty good list of spells. Not a lot of damage. I'm but, not, I'm not um, big on uh, Laura's Shadow, to be honest. I, I think Unseen Lurker is clearly the standout spell because it's a move spell. Magical Charging is amazing, but I just think the rest of the list is... Mm, it's okay. There's a couple of useful spells, but it's kind of like... I don't know. It's not It's not a spell law that I'd be taking very often. Yeah. So, don't know about you. Have you used it recently? No, but I've had it used against me by Beastmen um, with some not-too-bad effect. So, yeah, it has its uses. Yeah. I feel like it's more useful in a game where you've got more than one wizard. Yes. One guy can have this and another guy can have something else. I would agree. Yeah, I wouldn't take this as my sole law. I just think yeah. you'd, you'd miss out on too many other things. Yeah. Okay. Um, law of Beasts. Law of Beasts. Now, this is one that got updated. Yes. In White Dwarf. So do we want to go through, do we want to just do the revised one or do we want to do the original and then talk um, about the differences? Uh, I think we, to save time, I think we'd rather, I think just let's just pick the revised version. Okay. I mean, all you got to know is... They, I think they just tightened up a couple of the, the, like the wording of a couple of these spells was tightened up a little bit and also a couple of the casting values. Are, I think they generally across the board, they lowered the casting values. Am I right? Mostly. And they changed the way, I think some of the targeting rules. But anyway, let's just go through the, um, yeah. the revised version. Yep, that's fine. Okay, so... Right, number one spell is the Oxen Stands. Five plus to cast, no range. And um, you cast it on a fleeing unit and they rally automatically. Yeah. So pretty reasonable if there's a fleeing unit. Yeah, I don't like that this is the number one spell. Because <laughs> it basically means that... Like, I, I, I like the laws where the number one spell is like a little magic missile or something because it's always going to be useful. Yeah. And then if you're going to default to it, you're like, oh, cool, I'm defaulting to a good spell. Mm -hmm. Whereas this just feels to me like it's situational. I, I personally, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not judging it too harsh here, but I think that this is probably the most situational of the laws. All the spells have got an interesting use, but they're all a bit like, it sort of all feels a bit like, oh, okay, well, when am I going to actually use this, you know? Um, and that one in particular, you go, okay, well, yeah, is there a fleeing unit like nearby? Uh, well, I guess it's any fleeing unit on the tabletop, but but still you, you have a chance to, the thing is if, if the unit fled in the prior turn, you have a chance to rally them at the beginning of the turn anyway. So it's essentially only useful when you've like 
had a unit then fail another test. <laughs> and there's there's always a possibility they've already fled off the board anyway. So it sort of feels like, well, I don't know. Like the unit would have to be pretty valuable for me to want to cast a spell on them. So um, this law is useful for armies with low leadership. And I feel like both you and I probably don't play that many armies with low leadership. Yeah. Um, so you also got to remember that not every army has access to all these laws, right? So yeah, of course. You sort of go and well, okay, what well, I guess what beastmen can take this, can't yeah. they? So okay, probably has a good application for beastmen because they do have low leadership stuff. Yeah. But would you take it for high elves? Probably, probably not. Probably not because there's lots of other ways of dealing with it. Mm. Um, for yeah, I don't know. You're right. It's situational and. It's, again, there's probably better spells. It's one of those things. Beasts is probably not the most... It's one of the reasons why it's got... Um, why the law was revised in White Dwarf. Yes. Because not many people used it because yes. it was a bit crap. Yes. Um, anyway, so enough said about that. The number one spell rallies a fleeing unit. Yep, cool. Pretty much it. All right, what do we got next? Uh, next one is the Eagle's Cry. So... You're right about the whole law being kind of situational. So this one, a six to cast. You can only cast it on a unit of cavalry, a swarm, a chariot, or a monster um, in a range of 24 inches. So what happens is the, the monster kind of goes crazy and... Um, can't be controlled. So what happens is the unit you cast it on has to roll a leadership test. If they pass, they get minus one movement for their next phase. And if they're a flyer, then their movement is reduced to 12 instead of 20. Which is actually very useful. That's good. Yes, it is. Um, but if you fail the test, then what happens is they immediately make a compulsory move 2d6 towards their own table edge. If they move off the table, then they count as having fled. So they're out of the game. So uh, you could there's really, a lot of potential uses for this one. You could really, really fuck somebody over with this big time. You, you, you could potentially win a game in the first turn with this. Potentially, you'd have to be pretty lucky because yes, I yeah, I realize that, but it it could be. It, it's almost one of those things where if you did do that, you'd then just you you and your opponent would probably then just deploy again and just start the game again because like if you if you manage to make someone's like eight hundred point, you know, Bretonian unit with two or three characters in it flee off the board. <clears> Serves them right for taking an 800 unit with two or three oh, characters in it. I agree with you, but then <laughs> the game is just about over in the first turn. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, the point is, it's it's pretty useful, but it's only good against uh, armies that have got either cavalry, chariots, or monsters, right? So, mm. admittedly, that's most armies, but against, say, dwarfs, it's not going to do a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. So you do have to pick and choose, but... Um, well, I think if you cast on a flyer, it is actually very good if you go up against somebody with a dragon. It's actually really useful. Because yeah. you can cut their movement down to 12 and it mm -hmm. just totally changes the... You know, all of a sudden that dragon isn't a threat 
for another turn because it's not, you know, if it can't fly across your army and or flying behind you or, you know. Yeah, probably the main thing I'd say though is because they have to make a um, oh, I'll 2d6 you. move away, now they're going to be facing the wrong turn. They've got to be facing the wrong way, so they have to turn around to come back yeah, towards but you. That's only if they pass their if they fail their leadership test. So if yes, they if they, pass, if they pass their leadership test, then it's just minus one movement. Yeah, but on a flyer though, which that's we're automatically talk, we're talk, reduced to twelve. Yeah, we're talking about maybe a dragon as an example, or yep. it could be an eagle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've now you've now completely like mm. changed how they can move that unit. Which is a big deal, and if and mm-hmm. if you're lucky and they fail the test, well, it's probably even better because then they they kind of they end up off in a different direction, and that kind yeah. of changes the game as well. So it's 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 a potentially game altering spell that you only need a six plus to cast. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So lots of potential uses for that. Although to be fair, a lot of armies don't have that many flyers. But yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the next one up is also a six to cast. Yeah, Beer's Anger remains in play. This is another one of those kind of silly ones. Um, yeah, where you're basically casting it on your own wizard and putting them in combat for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so now in the um, the revised version, mm. the wizard can cast it on himself or he can cast it on another model in the same unit. Okay. But only while they are in combat. Mm. So basically what happens is you get plus three, plus three attacks, mm. plus two strength, and plus one toughness, but you can't use any weapons or a shield while you're doing this because you turn into a bear and fight like a bear. So <laughs> fight, no, like a, fight like a bear. <laughs> it, that so, feels like something... Put that feels t- like something put on a that, t-shirt. Yeah, or, or something that someone would say, like if they were trying to suck you up a bit. Come on, Frank, fight like <laughs> fight a bear. Like a beer. It'd sound like Rocky, you know, like you're watching Rocky, Rocky and Bobo. that's that's yeah. his uh, that's his trainer or something. Come on, Rock, fight like a bear, Rocky, fight like a bear. <laughs> anyway. So um So the yeah, wizard it, just yells encouragement at somebody yeah. <laughs> and tells them to fight like a bear. So you can do it, but the, one of the things that's a little annoying is you've got to charge into combat and then try to cast it. Yes. You so, almost feel like a spell like this would be really if I mean I'm not saying that yeah yeah if the magic phase actually happened first this would be a really cool spell yeah because you could cast it and then charge in and yeah. you, you know that you've got the spell off whereas you're kind of going you're looking at it and going oh I'll I'll cast it and <laughs> like whatever I, I don't know it's, or it it's, would kind yeah. of be cool as a bound spell yeah I agree with you yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I'll one thing I will say, which is kind of a bit interesting with this spell, and I think it's the same for that flaming sword of ruin that we talked about as well. Mm-hmm. It is remain in play, meaning that you could you could you might have a couple of wizards in your army, and maybe this wizard is not really going to cast much at the moment. You cast this early early game, like turn one or something, when it's not really applicable. Or oh, wait, hang on, it's he has to be, be in combat. Ugh. So it's not like you can cast it on him and then just leave it there and, and he, like later he, in the game he kind of that's charges right. in. And he has to be in the same unit. It's not even like within 12. So no, no, that's annoying. Yeah. So this means like if you've got your wizard, he's in the same unit, 
So he has to be in the front rank. Yeah. So you've got this buffed guy. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you're just killed a wizard. And then, and then the spell goes away. Ba bow. Yeah, so ba bow, ba bow, ba bow. No. And the other problem is if even if you were to cast it on like a character, mm. you know, like a fighting character who you actually want to be in combat, chances are you've probably tooled him up to be like a, and but then he loses his weapon anyway. So it's kinda like, well, what do you yeah, I, see, now the I actually... it's pretty good, but, you know... Well, it is, but it's getting... See, I actually thought this would be cool for a battle standard bearer. Right, because a battle standard bearer, mm. if he's got a magic banner, he can't have any other kit. Yeah. And he can't have a shield and all that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. So I thought, well, if you had a battle standard bearer on foot, and he's in a unit of infantry, yeah. if you had a wizard there, you could cast the spell on him, and it would yeah. buff him up. People wouldn't expect that, whatever. But the problem is... You're sinking so many points into this combo that's totally unreliable, and you, you may not even, you might not even roll the spell. <laughs> and then, exactly, and then the wizard, the wizard might just get killed because he has to stand there in the combat, buffing the hero. Yeah, or yelling encouragement and telling him to fight like a bear. Yeah, while the <laughs> well, yes, while someone else could just kill him with a knife because he's a toughness three yeah, or whatever. I, so I agree. I agree. It's just. Almost completely useless, the spell. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, can I tell you a story, though? When I when Sixth yeah. Ed first came out and um, I was playing at a mate's place and it must have been literally... We'd only just bought the rule books like the, the, the prior week beforehand or whatever and we both were just... We pulled out whatever models we had. I had, the, as I said, I had the, the vampire counts and I think he had high elves, actually, and we, we must have had maybe about 500 points worth of each. And he... We, we, we just... It, like... It, <laughs> Any charge that was on offer, we just did it. And he was like, he charged the wizard into something and I charged this into that. And it was all just kind of like a bit of a melee in the middle of the board. <laughs> and he kept putting, I think he cast this on his wizard. And I was, and I, at the time being like a 12 year old, I was like, oh my God, this is the best spell in the game. Like, you know what I mean? Cause like, he's got this wizard just like carving up zombies and carving up like skeletons and stuff and i'm and i'm seeing they're going with his with his four attacks at strength five yeah yeah and i yeah but i'm standing there going oh my god this is just unstoppable how am i supposed to beat this and obviously in truth it's like it's really not that hard to beat but like it just was sort of like it was just kind of at the time like oh my god this guy's like a superhuman now like he can do it like he can just kill everybody now <laughs> and now if that happened now i'd be like what, do you, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, <laughs> why are you doing that? But yeah, it's just one of those things where like when you see this used like as a, as a, as a first time player, whatever, it kind of seems like it's really good. Yeah. Or if you look at it on paper, it kind of seems like it's really good. And then you kind of later on go, oh, actually, <clears throat> no. <laughs> it's just compared to everything else. It's pretty crap. Yeah, yeah that's fair. All right, we'll jump on to Crow's Feast. Yeah. Which, uh, what's it's the... Magic Missiles... Seven plus to cast. Yep. 24 inch strength three, 2d6 hits. A little bit crap because it's only strength three, but whatever. Yeah, it's only seven plus to cast though. Look, you'll kill some skirmishes with it. You're probably not going to kill anything that's got any armor, but it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Um, next one, the Beast Cowers. Mm-hmm. So... This one's kind of all right. This is another one where you can only cast it on cavalry, chariots, or monsters. Um, but again, they have to already be in close combat. So what happens is mm. the monsters 
It's anywhere on the board though, right? Um, there's no range yeah, to so it. yeah, which is handy. There's yeah, no no range, no line of sight needed. They just have to be in close combat. What happens is the monsters need a six to hit. Um, well, it takes a leadership test, doesn't it? No, does it? No, it just goes for it. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, so say it's um, like it's knights. The knights fight normally, but the horses will only hit on a six. And we all know that the horses always do more damage than the knights. Oh, that's right. They're by far the scariest part. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good for things like cold one riders, where the cold ones are... Actually, decent. actually, more dangerous than the knights. Well, I would say this is amazing against someone riding a dragon. You've just yeah, taken or any the... any ridden monster. Yeah, because it takes the monster out. I know, but you, you like when you've got a dude on a dragon. Usually, the dragon's probably you, you'd probably expect the dragon to, you know, it's got more attacks. It's got yeah, more attacks. Or a or a wyvern or, yeah. yeah, generally the big ridden monster is doing a fair bit of damage. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, if you can take that monster out of the equation, or basically it's only getting one, it's only maybe getting one or two hits and whatever. Yeah. All of a sudden, that changes that combat. Like that, that model is no longer really as threatening now. So, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, aside from that, like I'm, you know, I don't think you're that worried about it in a lot of situations. Like, I mean. It's more an annoyance in certain... Like, I mean, look, okay, you can cast it on, like, a swarm. Okay, like, the swarm's, <laughs> not, the swarm's not doing any real damage. The advantage like of it. a swarm is it's unbreakable, so... Yeah, so you don't really care about any damage coming back. I think it's more to do with, like, yeah. as you said, maybe some cold ones or maybe, like, a ridden monster. It's probably about it, I reckon. Yeah, I think you're right. The big ridden monsters is definitely kind of... Um, where it's going to get more value or bigger yeah. bigger monsters like um, say a giant or a war hydra those types of big single monsters yeah but those are not ridden monsters it actually does it what does it say there because I'm I'm reading the old version I don't know if it's exactly the same oh one, no sorry it says um, it's either like a unit it says unit. A, an enemy unit of cavalry a chariot a ridden monster a lone monster such as a great eagle oh. or a swarm Okay, so a lone so I think monster. it could be anything. Yep. Okay. So that, that should sense. it should be like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're things right. like a giant or whatever should be included. Well, there, there you go. So something. Well, the giant almost doesn't matter because they've got weird. They've got like you know weird attacks that don't necessarily. Oh yeah, true. Need, so your chaos probably, giants are different though, aren't they? No, I think they. I think they roll on the same table, don't they? I don't know. Can't I remember. can't remember. But okay, yeah, so as anyway, you said, a hydra yeah. would be a good example, or a, yeah, I don't know. Something, stick it, something, stick it on. Stick it on. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. The skinks can fight, but the stick it on can't. Yeah, the stick it on never hits anyway, man. It's just the, <laughs> it's the, it's the impact hits that you want. It's not, it's, it's weapon skill three. The amount of times I've charged in and never actually, like the impact hits kill some stuff and then the actual stick it on just whips everything. So all right. anyway, doesn't matter. I'd probably hit more often when it's on sixes anyway. So, all right. Last what, one. What about, um, yeah. I was thinking like monstrous infantry type units, but I guess they're not affected. No. That doesn't apply. Yeah, no. so all right. So again, situational. Yeah. Um, okay, and the last one is the the wolf hunts. This is a pretty reasonable spell. So nine plus. Um, again, you can cast it on. Uh, this one's friendly units only. So yeah. cavalry, chariot, monster, 
or a swarm, it's got a range of 24, and what happens is you move 2d6 either towards the wizard casting the spell or towards an enemy unit that you can see. So... And you can charge. Like it's a, it's yeah, yeah, a, so you can yeah. charge. You just can't... You can only charge something you can already see. Yeah. So you can't turn around no. and then charge. No. But if they're within your vision arc, you can move towards them. Yeah. So this is pretty useful. The only thing that's a little bit disappointing is it's 2d6, so it's a bit kind of random. Well, we just did the Laura Shadow. Yeah. And that, they've got Lurker. Unseen Lurker, which is a, a guaranteed, guaranteed 8 inches, and it's 10 plus to cast. This is 9 plus to cast, mm-hmm. and it's 2d6. It, like... It's it, not as good. It's good because it's a movement spell, mm. but you could you could you could be three inches away and roll a double one and it does nothing. <laughs> so like <laughs> you know you, you kind of you can't really reliably. It's not doing what you want it to do reliably is the problem. Yeah. Um, although it's it's like it's pretty good. It does it like it. There will be situations where you get it off, and that that gets you that crucial flank charge, or that yep. manages to you manage to I don't know do something kind of cheeky with it or whatever. Uh-huh. But yeah, um, the two d six is a bit of a problem. Yeah. Yep. So all up, a bit of a mixed bag. Overall, it's definitely not the best. Uh, I'm more. I'm going to say them. it's my least favorite law. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like it. Like, I want to like it. The spells individually, when you look at them in their own context, are kind of cool. Yeah. But you just look at it and go, well, oh, for, like, firstly, like, the, you know, the, the the default spell I can I can choose is not not really a good one. Not, mm-hmm. It's too situational. Like, I'd rather have the 2d6 kind of strength three magic missile be the, the default spell, to be honest. Yeah. And then you kind of look at the others and go, well... Either way, I'm going to end up with two or three spells that probably don't really work all the time. I don't know. It's just one of those ones where you, as you said, you want another wizard with a different lore as well because yeah. you're probably if you, this is your only wizard or you've only picked this lore, yeah, you're probably going to find that a lot of the time the spells aren't doing much. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we move on to another one of the laws which was revised. Yep. And probably one that's used, I would say, probably the most By regular. far the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, and that is Law of the Heavens. Yep. Now, just to clarify, with the revision version, it's pretty much almost every spell has had like a... Well, not everyone, but probably half the spell law looks like it's had a bump up in the um, like the casting values. And I know that a couple of them as well, there, there are a couple of spells in here that had unlimited range originally, and then they've now put a cap on the range. Yeah. Which I think is fair enough because they were really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So do you want me to kick it off? Yeah. yeah. So you got the first spell, which is the default, is the second sign of Amel. Would you agree this is probably one of the best spells in the game? I don't know if it's one of the best spells in the game. It's definitely really versatile. It's great. It's probably one of the best default spells in the game. Yes. Yeah. Because it's useful in almost any situation. Yes. Um, 
So basically, it's a great spell to give to a scroll caddy yes. who's not going to cast anything else. Yes. So basically, what it does is it's a six plus to cast. If you get it casted successfully, you then get D three re rolls for the rest of your turn. Yeah. Now, unless they change this in the updated version, it just says you get to re uh, you get D three like you you can re roll D three dice. It yep. doesn't specify what dice those are, meaning you could use it to re-roll an artillery dice or you could re-roll a scatter dice. It doesn't say it's a D6 unless the updated version does say that. But The revision says a D6. Oh, it says a D6, does it? Yeah. Okay. What does the original say? Well, the original just says... Oh, no. Okay, no, you're right. <laughs> Where did I get that from? Who's making up rules now, Alex? Oh, me, obviously. <laughs> oh, well, I've been getting that wrong. Well, does an artillery dice count as a D6? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's a six-sided dice, isn't it? Mm. So, look, I've been using it to re-roll artillery dice, which well, if could, it, could mean I was cheating, so I don't know. I hope not. What, but... what army do you have that's got artillery dice in it? Um, Lizardmen, salamanders. You shoot a salamander at somebody, you roll an artillery dice. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I've, been, I've been re-rolling misfires, so maybe... <laughs> <laughs> You jammy git. Well, all right. Well, I don't know. It depends on what a D six is supposed to be. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I've been cheating. So maybe you have. Well, I'm going to issue a public apology to uh, <laughs> anyone who's ever played me where I've done that. Um, well, it doesn't really say you can't, but it it does say a single D six dice, including one of the dice rolled in a D six, two D six, three D six, etc. Yeah. It sort of implies that it should only be a normal D6 and not an artillery yeah. dice. So, so obviously... If it's red as red and probably don't re-roll a scatter dice. Yeah. Well, scatter or artillery, you're saying? Well, either. Or both. Yeah, okay. So I don't know why I got that wrong. I, for some reason, I got it in my head that it was like any dice could be re-rolled. So weird. Okay, whatever. So I, I think the fact that they've specified D6 dice, otherwise they just would have said any dice, right? So, all right, clearly... <laughs> clearly, clearly, I've been cheating. Um, so yes. So strip me of strip me of all my. <laughs> Do you still think it's one of the most useful my spells of the game? I still think it's pretty damn useful. Right. Okay. So my reason for thinking that is that a good example would be if you've got a decent magic phase going, and you've then let's say you then get a magic missile off or something like that. Mm -hmm. You roll a one for that d six for to. You know how many hits you've done. Oh, okay, re-roll that. Oh, I rolled a five. You know, like you can, you can totally change like what you're getting with like the re-rolls. It's amazing for impact hits, um, because I use obviously like with my lizardman, you charge a stegodon in, you get that spell off, and then you re-roll your impact hits if you roll roll poorly. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's I don't know. There's just you can also just things like. You know, if you go into a combat that's a bit 50-50, you know, being able to re-roll a couple of wound rolls or being able to um, even like if you've fluffed a leadership test that you're like in, you know, it's, you've charged somebody, it's your turn, you've fluffed a lead, you've maybe rolled poorly, you fluff a leadership test, you can, because you could roll, you could pick up that six and re-roll it into a lower number and then you manage to hold the combat, so. Yeah, but it's even good just in in the magic phase, if you cast this as your first spell. Yes. Your opponent half the time won't dispel it. Yes. And it means you can just re-roll casting dice. So, yes. you know, instead of you roll yeah. a two, you can re-roll it and maybe you get a five. Yeah. It's obviously yeah. better. 
Um, I mean, one thing, one thing to be, what, there is one school of thought though about this spell, which is, I mean, one of one of um, one of our group uh, when we were playing a game, he actually said, he goes, "Oh, that spell's overrated," and I, and I kind of thought about it, and there is a, I could sort of see what he's saying because he's like, "Yeah, but you're you're using some of your dice to make that happen." And like you, you're essentially, you know, there might like those those two or three dice that you're using to cast that, sort of, you know, like yes, you're getting a benefit for having it, but then, you know, okay, right, I got to re-roll a casting dice on another spell, but I've then spent two of my casting dice to make that work. I could have just like, yes. used an extra casting dice in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I, yeah look, I do think it's pretty useful. One thing that you've got to remember is it's only for your turn. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, once your turn's like done, you, there's nothing, it doesn't have any impact. So, you know. So make sure you do something with the rest of your turn. Exactly. If you're not, <laughs> it doesn't do anything if like, if in the rest of your turn, you don't have any shooting, you don't have any combat. And, you know, depending on, like you're really and then only going to use it on other, other spells that you're using. And then, who knows? But remember, yeah, but what are you doing if you've got no shooting and no combat for your entire turn? Do you did your opponent even turn up? Yeah, but it could be early game. It could be like the first. I mean, I'm just using my Lizardman as an example. <laughs> no, well, well, I am because that's that's the army I play. Or one enough. of them. Yeah. If you think about it, I don't have any long range shooting. It's all like close range stuff. So right. if this is turn one. I'm probably not shooting anybody. And we're not going to yeah. be in combat. So then, like, what am I actually using this for? It's probably going to be, as you said, it really comes down to re-rolling other casting dice. Yeah. But you've got to remember, unless specified, unless they actually tell you, you can't actually re-roll. Like, if you've rolled a miscast, you're not able to actually stop the miscast. Or if you've, you're not able to roll an extra six and get an irresistible. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't actually allow you to do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. So you get D3 re-rolls. It's an alright spell. It's, it's useful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so maybe uh, maybe my initial my initial comment that it's one of the most useful spells in the game is probably I think I'll retract that comment now because now that I've learned that I've probably been playing it wrong. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, not as good as you thought it was, but out of all of the um, the default spells in the eight laws of magic, it's a pretty good one because it's it's useful for pretty much every army. Yep. Right, Portent of Far is the next one. Um, I seem to remember this one is not really that great, and I haven't used it very much. So, cast on a 6+, plus. you can cast it on one friendly unit within 12 inches, and it has to already be in combat. So, what happens is, they can re-roll any 1s, either to hit or to wound, for that turn. So, <clears throat> is that are they saying one or the other, or are they saying like you are no, it's like, a hit or to wound. So, in combat, when you roll to hit, any ones you roll, you yes. can re-roll. Then when you roll to wound, yes. any ones you roll to wound, you can re-roll. That was my take on it. Yeah, yeah. I was just because it says to hit or to wound. I was like, what does that mean? That you have to pick. I'm either re-rolling to hit. <laughs> or, like I just wasn't quite sure. But the, yeah. my initial take when you just read it, it seems like they meant, you know you're re-rolling hits or like you're re-rolling ones to hits and ones to wound basically. So it's both is the way I interpreted yep. it. But, you know, I've lost my confidence now that I've, I've been cheating the yeah. whole time on second son of Amal. <laughs> so, you know. Look, my feeling with this one is it's the same casting value as second sign, 
It potentially lets you re-roll more dice, but it's less versatile. And it's also... Yes. It's not the default spell. Yeah. So this is normally the one that if I if I roll this one, I swap it for a second time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's only a 12-inch zone. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the range... You often you don't really want your wizard like up close to combats anyway. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we move on. Yeah, from that one. Yeah. So fork lightning this is a pretty good spell. Yeah. Seven plus cast, twenty four inch range. Now this one used to have unlimited range, which was so amazing. it used to be better. Yes. There's a reason they changed it. Yes. Because it's just a bit, a little bit too good. Yes. Um, and it's just d six strength four hits. Yeah, I mean, you don't need line of sight. That's that's important to note. Like, you, yeah. can, you can cast it on. This is so nice at sniping out people's wizards. Like, someone's got a wizard hiding behind a building, yeah. behind a forest, behind a unit. You, mm -hmm. you can hit them with this because it's not a magic missile. It yeah. doesn't, there's no, the normal targeting restriction, which like within, if a wizard is within, or whatever, it doesn't have to be wizard, but if a, if a single model is within five inches of a unit of, of what five or more models yep they can't be targeted <clears throat> however yes. unless they're the closest yes this doesn't count as shooting it's not like a magic missile so it doesn't actually follow those those targeting um restrictions so this literally can you can you can just pick a model that's within 24 yeah as long as they're not in a unit of course mm -hmm. but yeah you can you can just cast it on them so yep. pretty solid <clears throat> so it's a pretty good spell for only a seven to cast. Yep. Um, next one is the Thunderbolt. So this is also a 24 inch yep. um, anywhere on the board attack, nine to cast. Yep. And it's D6 strength four hits, but no armor save. So this is really good for killing units and knights. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the only thing I'd say with this is I've seen a lot of people try to cast it on two dice. Um, and with the nine it needs nine to cast it's just hard to get on two dice so well you've got to go three if you're yeah. serious about doing it yeah you've got to go three you would only cast on two if you've sort of already cast yeah. a couple of things and you, you that's what you've got left you yeah know? but otherwise i just don't see i can understand if you're trying to cast something on eight because you, you know yes it's still not an ideal like you're still probably looking at a bit below average to cast it, but at least it's not that far off. Whereas this is like you're starting to push it a bit if you're trying to do it on two dice. Yeah. So I would agree with that for sure. So generally it's a pretty good spell. Um, I guess one of the things about this lore generally is the casting values are quite high. They are, yeah. Especially with the revised version too. Yeah. Um, but they are mostly good spells though. Okay, so then the next one is Storm of Kronos. This is also a nine to cast. So what happens with this is every enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster, which is visible, takes D6 strength three hits. Oh, is so, it strength three or is it strength four? Oh, sorry, strength four. Oh, what did yeah. I say? Yeah. Strength four. So it's useful because it can hit multiple units. It's not that great because it's a short range. Um. If you have a wizard on foot, he's got a 360-degree vision arc. Who's not in a unit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Then he can see multiple yeah. units, but then he's obviously more vulnerable because he has to yeah. be within 12 inches of enemy troops. So this is a more situation-specific spell again. Um, and to be honest, it's not that useful because you've got to put your wizard somewhere where there's a good chance of him 
um, getting killed yeah, next turn. I think if I'm if I'm using like if I'm just thinking about it from a context of um, an army that I play, um, you know, lizardmen, you've got you you can give a skink priest the the cloak of feathers, which is an item that lets him fly. Yeah, you could very well fly him in behind someone's army sitting in right behind him with a bunch of different, with you know, four or five units within 12 inches of him. And if you cast that spell, all of a sudden, you know, all these units are copping hits. Not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that it's all kind of as easy as that because your opponent needs to, you know, you've got to, you've got to cast the spell and your opponent not dispel it. And, yeah. You know, also... The, the problem though is yeah. then your wizard is behind the enemy army. So they yeah. can kill him. It, it really depends on the scenario, obviously. Like if, if you're up against, say, if you're up against a, a, an enemy that doesn't have the tools to deal with that, yeah, then it's it's doable. But if you're up against someone with a bit of shooting or like maybe they've got some stuff that's like back behind the lines or whatever, then yeah, it's gonna it's probably not gonna work. Yeah. It look, once again, it's situational. We yeah. you know, I'm just more suggesting situations where it can be pretty handy but like obviously you either have to have a wizard that's like maneuverable enough to make it work or you've got to just be in the right place at the right time and you go oh hang on i'll, I'll cast that and it happens to do something you know yeah so yeah. yeah it's not really a banker is it um it's just not the most useful spell on the on the list no um yeah okay and then the last one a spell that everybody knows, the Comet of Cassandora. Tell me this isn't so, one, of, one of the most iconic <laughs> spells. For 6th edition, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember all... being scared, like, every time I turned up to play <laughs> when I was starting out, I was like, oh, God, please don't cast Comet. Like, it was always kind of like the, the boogeyman spell of, like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is going to be the worst thing well, if someone gets until it. Until 8th edition, where there were purple suns and all sorts of much scarier spells, this was kind of the apocalypse spell yes. in 6th in yeah. edition. I do love the idea that the wizard basically just... Summons a, a comet. Like, a comet flies <laughs> in from outer space and just, like, smashes the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Although the updated version of it really isn't very good. I, I mean, it's it's good, but it's like, it's significantly worse because it goes from strength five to strength four with the update, which really hurts that spell. Okay. Do we want to look at the um, original versus the... Well, re read out the... Oh, look, oh, yeah, okay. Here's, here's what it says originally. And I think, I think it pretty much... Hang on, no, did they up? Can I, do you mind if I grab yeah, that? Yeah, go for it. I think they pretty much, they may have updated the wording as well. Yeah. So the the you pick a fixed point on the battlefield, you place a marker down, so a small coin would be ideal. Um, once cast, the player rolls a d6 at the start of each player's turn. So, yeah, like it's cast in my magic phase, you would then roll a d6 at the beginning of your turn, yep. then my turn, etc. On a score of one to three, nothing happens. On a score of four to six, oh, sorry, nothing happens, but you place another marker on top of the first. On the score of four to six, the spot is struck by the comet. All units from either side, which are within D, so you roll a, you roll a D6 to find to, to do the range and multiply that by the number of markers that are already placed. Mm -hmm. um, so if, you, if you've if you rolled, if this is like the third, you know, you've had like yep. two rolls that haven't, that have been one to three, um, 
then you're adding that to the initial marker. So it's like, it'll be three times yeah. that D6 roll. Um, basically, everybody's affected. So both, both, both players, you know, both sides are affected. Um, each unit struck by the comet takes 2D6 strength 4 hits. So, yeah, it went from strength 5 down to strength 4, which I feel like the old version of it, if you manage to land that at the right spot with the right timing, you could fuck up someone's army. Like, you could really, <laughs> you could really, like, you could basically sort of decimate three or four units at once. Or Yeah. I remember the first time we played. Do you remember? Yeah, you killed me with the comet. I basically killed like a unit. I think I killed half your sword masters. Oh. And a wizard, that's, I seem that's, to recall. That's Frank eating an Easter egg. Um, yeah. yeah, so yes, yeah, so I think I killed like half a unit of the sword masters, most of your archers, a wizard, all in one go because the comet, I cast it, then it came down immediately On in your turn. On the first turn, turn yeah. <laughs> in the first roll, it came down and just fucked everybody up. Yeah. So. It's one of those things where, like, in other games, it probably stays up there and, you know, your units move away and nothing really happens. But I think, I think if anything, even if the comet doesn't come down straight away, it forces people to have to move stuff out of the way and, like, kind of, it's a bit yeah, of a like, psychological bonus for you. Hmm. But it can be pretty scary. No one wants, like, a whole bunch of units taking 2d6 hits at strength 4. It's definitely a good spell. I think it disrupts those kind of gun liney. Like if you've got like someone with a few units in the backfield that are kind of sitting there shooting at you, war machines. It kills war machine crews really good. It kills, you know, those soft units of archers and things like that. So yeah, any sort of defensive line, it's gonna smash up. Yep. Yep. But it's hard to cast. Like you really, you know, level two is even gonna have a hard time casting that. So you. It's one of those things you probably need a level three or level four or have your level two. Maybe like I was often taking power stones on my skink priests. So you pick up two dice and then add the two dice from the power stone and you're getting to throw four dice at it, which I think was, you know, that was a much more reliable way of getting it off. Yeah, level two wizard should be able to do it about 50% of the time, I think, on three yeah. dice. But still, yeah. But still, you, yeah. You, you don't want to be... You can't bank it, though. And not that a power stone guarantees it either, but it's just that that extra dice makes a big difference. So... Yeah. Yeah. So what's your overall feeling on Heavens? My overall feeling on Heavens is definitely a useful law. It's probably one of the most popular magic laws with good reason. So um, if in doubt, it's one of those laws you can always take and most of the spells will be pretty useful. The only ones that are not great are the Storm of Kronos or Port of Nefart. Yep. And even then, they do have a use sometimes, but... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you've got four really solid spells there that yeah. are pretty much always going to come in handy. Yep. Yep. Right, the next one's the Law of Life. Do you want oh. to take this? You've been you've oh. used this quite a lot. You want to do... Should we do light? Because I'm just going off the regular rule book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I've got... Um, yep. Well, we'll go on light. Looking at the white dwarf yeah, we'll, update. We'll come back to All that. Right. Law of light. So we'll go law of light. First one is Far's Illumination. This is just another one of these annoying... The wizard buffs boost himself. The, boost, <laughs> boost the wizard and make him better at combat. Almost completely useless. It's so annoying. <laughs> and and to top it all off, it's the it's the 
this I actually really like Law of Light, uh, Light, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But this this spell being the default spell really annoys me. <laughs> it really really annoys me because it, I just look at it and go, oh, like you you can't default to something like actually good. Basically, it's another one of these buff spells. It's regardless <clears throat> of his. Why didn't they just make the burning gaze the default spell? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. I don't know. So basically, um, the wizard, regardless of the wizard's characteristics, the wizard now has three attacks and strength five, whilst this spell lasts. Cannot wield a weapon. No magic weapons can be. Oh, that's interesting. No magic weapons can be used to attack him, whilst the spell lasts. Okay. So it's good if you're up against a big combat lord, but not if you're fighting goblins. Yeah, but why would you put your wizard up against a combat lord? Like, it's a bit... (laughs) The whole thing's a bit kind of like, oh, this is cool, but then why would you even be in that situation? So, unfortunately, I'm going to say it's... (laughs) Thumbs down. It's a thumbs down because I don't... I just don't understand why you would do it. Um, Next one is pretty useful. Burning Gaze. um, Five plus to cast... Strength 4 Magic Missile, D6, 24-inch range. We've already been through several other spells that are the same. It's a fireball. It's a fireball. It's useful. Move on. (laughs) Yeah. Dazzling Brightness, cast on a 6+. Can be cast on any enemy unit that is engaged in close combat within 18 of the caster. Um, Their weapon skill is reduced to 1 for the duration of that combat phase. Yeah. So not too bad. That's definitely a useful spell. So that means it's got okay. Your like eighteen inches is not too bad. Like yeah. you, you can keep your wizard. Like it's not. It's not like your wizard has to be up around the combat. Yeah, yeah. That, So you know. Um, so that means they're going. You can hit them on a three, and they'll be hitting you on a five yes. in pretty much all cases. Yes. Yep. So that that's definitely a useful spell, and it's only a six to cast. Yep, I'd, I'd happily have that. Yep. Yep. Um, the next one I really rate. I just think, I mean, it, it is situational, but it, it can be, it can really annoy your opponent. So it's healing hand cast on the seven plus. Yeah. Um, you can cast it upon the wizard or upon any friendly model anywhere on the tabletop that has already suffered one or more wounds. If successfully cast, the model regains all its lost wounds. In the case of a monster and a rider, choose one to be the target of the spell. Obviously, the spell does not affect undead, chaos demons, war machines, chariots, or um, unliving models. I don't think there's any undead or demon that could even take this. <laughs> I agree with you. I, probably, I, don't, I don't really know how they could even get this law. Unless they're in some weird, like, allied army situation. But anyway, just, just in case you wanted to cast it on an undead guy, you can't. Yeah. I'd like for someone to come out of the woodwork and like correct <laughs> us on that. There might be some scenario where that could happen. I don't know. But Maybe. I can't think of it. But yeah. point being is you could literally like that, I don't know, you've got your you've got your dragon there that someone spent the whole game trying to trying to kill. It you... definitely has its uses. Again, it's situational. Yeah. Um, yeah. I where I think this would be good is in quite a big game where you've got more than one wizard. Yeah, true. Um you could give one guy this spell law, and if they get that, then it's useful. But one of the reasons it's good is because it's got no range. So anywhere on the tabletop, <clears throat> you can just heal wounds on a guy. So it's also good in bigger games where you might have more than one lord. So if it's only a two thousand point game, you'll only have one lord. But if you've got a, you know, a larger army, you might have multiple 
um, high level heroes in combat who have got more wounds. Yep. So there's more guys potentially who you can heal. So I see that being useful in a bigger game, but it only needs a seven to cast. So lots of potential uses for that. Yep. Um, it's just a really like easy casting value. A level two could throw two dice and feel confident. Um, this would be good for like say your lizardman army because you've got more things like croxagors. Yes, that have got multi wounds. Yep, croxies, stegodon, um, even I mean, pterodons. Not that, not that. Like, I mean, you're not really bothered whether you're, you're not gonna use you it. know. But yeah, there's a few things there that uh, even the slam. Yeah. You know, if your slam cops a couple wounds, cops a couple of wounds. You know, you can then heal yourself. So it's pretty good. Um, next one up is Guardian Light, which remains in play. It affects all units, all friendly units within 12 of the caster. All these units are now immune to psychology and any fleeing units automatically rally. So it's remain in play, which follows the normal remain in play rules. Mm, it's all right. The automatically rally is not that useful because why would there be more than one unit within 12 inches of you that needs to rally? Mm. You could try and rally one unit, but... Um, the immune to psychology is kind of good, especially if you're up against undead. Yeah, for sure. Because you could have multiple units that now are immune to fear, so they can't automatically break. So if you're fighting against undead or like chaos, where you've got lots of fear-causing enemy troops, that can be pretty useful if you're kind of playing defensively. Or The um, The flip side is you lose your ability to flee as a charge reaction from something. Yeah, in I mean I'm not I'm, yeah I I think overall like it's probably a good thing to have but yeah to be fair though you can you can uh, end the spell at any time yeah that's so true. you could just end that's the spell true. on the fleet yeah that's that's fair yeah yeah I think so it's all right I, it's definitely got its uses the um, immune to psychology effect is definitely more useful than the automatically rally in my view. Um, Again, yeah. it's situational. This to me feels like a bit like the law of metal. This feels like a bit like one of those toolboxy laws where you've yeah. got a bunch of spells that all kind of do different things. Yeah. And it comes back to your point of like, if your wizard knew every spell on this law, then it's great. You, you'd be great, but you'd probably roll, <laughs> chances are you'd probably roll a couple that you don't really need at, like on that given day. And, well, that's the thing, because you know, you've got to choose to have this spell rather than something else, whereas, say, yeah. the Burning Gaze or the Dazzling Brightness is going to be more useful in most situations. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to decide which ones you want to have. But, yeah, it definitely has its uses, that one. Yep. Last one, Blinding Light, 9+. plus. <clears throat> um, cast on, a sp- on an enemy unit, um, which is visible and within 24 inches of the caster, which is not engaged in combat. Um, they're momentarily blinded, their movement characteristic is reduced by half, and their weapon skill and ballistic skill are reduced to one. And this lasts until the that unit's following turn. Yeah. So this is similar to the Dazzling Brightness, but a, a little bit more um, higher powered. Um, again, it's, it's kind of situational. Like, oh. it's obviously useful because it reduces the movement. I mean, that's that, quite that good. on its own is, I think, really good. That's like, you can stop a cavalry unit from being able to charge yeah. you next turn, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or stop, you can, really importantly, you could be the one that's kind of pushing forward and you can stop their redirector from from running up in front of you. 
Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it, it can be really handy, I think. Yeah. Um, but also you could cast it on a missile unit and now they have their, their ballistic skill one. So see ya. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? One like, of the things that's potentially useful on this is if you could, um, oh, it says they can't be engaged in close combat. I was just thinking, um, if you cast it on a unit which normally flees 3d6, mm -hmm. it would reduce their movement to half. And it wouldn't, though, because so then, it's their movement characteristic. Oh, I see. I see yeah, so saying. now they would only flee 2d6. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I the think... problem is you wouldn't be able to do it, though, because you've got a, you would have already moved. Yeah. Well, to me, I look at it and think, okay, it's one of these spells that does like two or three different things. Mm hmm. And I think they're all actually kind of good things. Like the movement halving is good. The, the, the ballistic skill or weapon skill to one is good. Yeah. Because you can you could cast that on a on a unit that you know is is gonna be trying to charge you next turn. Oh hang on. Now your movement just went to half yeah. and now your weapon skill's one. Okay, good luck. Like So it's more of a know. defensive spell. Yeah. Because you can't cast it after you've already charged. Yes. You can cast it on enemy units and stop them charging you. That's kind of where yeah. it's it's kind of a defensive law, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you've got a little magic missile in there, but most of the stuff here is either like your healing stuff, you're going immune to psychology, which is obviously going to prevent you from fleeing sometimes. Yep. You've got, yeah, this one. Um, the dazzling brightness. Yeah, I feel like they're all kind of spells that, yeah, as you mentioned, sort of, they all kind of do things that help you to survive or help you to kind they're, of... They're mainly buffs and debuffs. Yes, yeah. But rather look, what, than what, damage spells. What do you reckon? I think it's a pretty solid law. Most of the spells are cheap to cast. There's not really like the top spell, which is blinding. I think blinding light's probably the standout spell. It's only nine plus to cast. Like it's it's a cheap law. My my main gripe is that Phase Illumination is the is the default. If you swap that <laughs> round with well, it is. If you swap that with Burning Gaze, yeah. and that was the default spell, you'd actually I'd actually feel pretty good about taking this law. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just means that you're probably, there's a decent chance that you're, you're probably getting phase illumination. You're either rolling it or you're like, ugh, like you, you kind of, it's just one of those things where if you roll that spell, you can't change it. Mm -hmm. And then you're basically just stuck with this. There's at least one of your spells is a waste is how I see it. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think it's a pretty decent law, but maybe just that one spell kind of, Brings it down a peg. I guess you, you've just got to decide if you want your wizards to mainly be buffing your troops or if you want them to be dealing damage. Yeah. Um, yep, I agree. Speak, yeah. Speaking of damage, the next one is my favourite. It's okay. my favourite more, full stop. We talk about Laura Life? Go for it. Um... So this is one of these ones where I guess if you compare it, people who might be coming from 8th edition and, and maybe looking at 6th edition, Laura Life in 8th ed was very much a buff law. Like it was, you know, higher toughness and like, you know, there was a spell that prevents miscasts and there was like a few things like that in there. So it was very much a, a law that was kind of, could you could make your units really tough and defensive. Whereas in 6th edition, the law of life is really a... a it's almost a pure offensive law. 
Um, and I really, really like the way it works. Um, this is another one that got um, adjusted in White Dwarf. Um, and so they've pretty much, I think they've made a lot of the casting values a little bit less um, from what I can tell. Mm. No. Looks Did like they? Rain Lord went up oh, one to went 10. Up. No, sorry. They only... Uh, everything okay, else my bad. Same. No, my bad. Okay, so one of the spells actually went up and the others all stayed the same, but I don't know if... They changed around the, changed, the damage yeah. effects on yeah. the uh, Master of Wood and Master of Stone. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, okay. they're a little bit different now. Okay. But anyway, so we'll so, go through the updated version. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the default spell, number one, is Mistress of the Marsh, cast on a 6+. plus. Um, okay, one thing I'll say, the unique thing about this law is that the way that the ranges work is really different to any other law. You've got, um, you basically, none of these spells have like a set range. They're all kind of like, you know, they basically work if, you're, if, you, if your opponent's units are within a certain distance of a terrain piece or, you, you know, like it's kind of like you're using the terrain to actually, you're kind of casting the spell like kind of through the terrain in a way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so here's a good example. So Mistress of the Marsh, you can either cast it on a unit that is within 12 inches of a river, stream, bog, or any other water feature on the tabletop, um, which has been identified as such before the game. And you know what? If you really needed another water feature, you just knock your, <laughs> knock your water bottle over. That becomes a water feature. And... I don't know about that, Alex. <laughs> well, I guess it says if identified before the game. So yeah. If I knock my water over before the game... <laughs> So if there are no such features on the table, it can be cast on any enemy unit within 12 of the caster. Um, obviously not in close combat. If cast, um, basically the, the ground gets turned into swamp and they move at half speed until the start of the wizard's next magic phase. So basically, yeah, you're halving. It's another one of these movement um, spells. You're basically halving their movement. Um, not that many tables are going to have a pond or a swamp or a bog, but at least you do have the option of casting on someone within 12 inches. I will say there was a game I played um, against one of one of the regular people as part of our um, um, our group, um, Patty. Um, this was in a oh, tournament maybe a year ago. And um, Patty has a Tomb King army. Um, and basically I kept casting this repeatedly on the chariot unit because there was a marsh, there was a marsh on the table and the chariot unit oh. basically <laughs> was just, the chariot unit basically couldn't go anywhere for about three turns. Right. Um, so it kind of, you know, it was one of these things where I was able to stop that chariot unit pushing up down my flank and I was able to deal with other parts of the army first. So that was a, um, that was a really cool use for it. I still think it's probably the weakest spell in the actual law. And annoyingly, once again, it's the default spell. So, like, my only gripe with this law is that that is the default spell. But yeah, you know, I do think the rest of the law kind of makes up for it. Mm -hmm. um, next one is Father of the Thorn. Cast on a seven plus. Um, so you pick an unengaged enemy unit within twenty four inches of the caster. Um, so bear in mind, it's not a magic missile, so you don't need line of sight for it, which is nice. Um, it just does two d six strength three hits. Cool. On a seven plus, you don't need line of sight. It's not a magic missile. So guess what? You can target individual models as well. It's pretty good. 
pretty handy when your opponent thinks they've hidden their wizard behind their unit. Yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah, so I reckon that's pretty good. Yep. Yep, for seven plus. Howler Wind remains in play. Now, I've been on the receiving end of this before. <laughs> yes, yes. What, did someone fight in your direction? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> the Howler Wind? Anyway, but I'm... Um, <laughs> basically you cast on the wizard himself um, no shooting with strength 4 or less can be targeted at units within 12 inches of the wizard um, even if the models even if some models in the unit are more than 12 inches away um, and the other thing is in addition all enemy units within 12 of the wizard move at half speed due to the effects of the howler wind so it's kind of like a bubble 12 inch zone around your wizard and shooting of strength four or less just literally doesn't have any effect. Yep. I mean, that's amazing. It's pretty good. It is really good. You and I played a game a while back, right? Where yep. that, that happened. My slam just cast that and there was about three or four units that you, you your archers and bolt throwers basically couldn't shoot. Yeah. Your bolt throwers could obviously do the shoot single the bolt. six shots. But you prefer the, the, the multiple strength four shots most of the time, right? I mean, it's obviously good against um, if you're against an army with, say, handgunners. Yes. Or anything Crossbows. like that. Yeah. 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 Any yeah. of those kind of small arms fire things. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. It's a really good spell. Pretty useful spell. Yep. Master of the Wood. Love this spell. So basically, you cast it on a unit within 12 inches of a wood. Um, if there's no such feature on the table, it can be 12 inches of the caster. Um, the spell causes D6 strength 5 hits on the unit, plus a further D6 strength 5 hits if they're partially or wholly within the wood. So it's D6 if they're not in the wood. Yep. 2D6 if, if they're, they're in if the they're wood. Even, partial, even if one model is like yep. sitting in the wood, you're getting 2D6 strength 5 hits. Yep. Amazing. It's so good for sniping out, like, yeah, you have lone characters or skirmishers hiding in a wood, or yeah. maybe a unit has just managed to clip a wood. Maybe a unit was like, they pursued into a wood or something like that. You can you can then just, like, 2 to 6 strength 5 hits will tear things up. So, yeah, yeah like, what else to say? Like, it's, it's yeah, awesome. It's great. Yeah. Master of Stone does something similar, but it's to do with hills. So if a unit's within 12 of the hill or within 12 of the caster, um, it causes 2d6 strength for hits. Or if they're like on the hill, or it could be, it says hills or rocky outcrops or ruins, um, or areas which have been identified as high ground before the game or ruinous. So basically, uh, it's 2d6 strength 4 hits or it's 3d6 strength 4 hits if they're on top of or if they're partially on top of one of these things. Yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. 3d6 is great. Amazing. It like, you know, the, the typical missile unit that sits on a hill at the yeah. back of the board. Yeah. And they think they're safe because they're at the back of the board. You yeah. just go, no, sorry, 3d6 strength 4 hits. Yeah. Like you, you basically just kill the missile unit like in one, in one shot. Yeah. You know, War Machine crews. Um, you know, I always talk about characters like a character that hides. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I do this a lot myself. I hide, I hide my wizards in behind units and hide them behind things. Mm -hmm. This you just snipe them out because you know, oh, your character's next to a rock. Yeah. <laughs> now he's dead. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. What do you think? I, I really, really. Oh, like it's this a good spell. spell. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, and you know what? The casting values are so low. That's a that's eight plus to cast. Yeah. So that's a bargain. And, and you could potentially, I think 
you know, as I said, if a unit's even partially on a hill, any like there could be a hill anywhere on the battlefield and a unit is just kind of next to it. Next to it and like eight plus, sorry. Two like extreme. Two <laughs> or even if they're just sitting half on the hill, like literally yeah. like they've got half their base on the hill. Yeah. You can target and you get the three D six instead. Like it's yeah. oh man, amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm I this is like just such a great law, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Last one's the Rain Lord. So this one, they did bump it up by one. It's 10 plus to cast. Um, but I think it's got extra range. It's got range 30. Oh, uh, yeah. That? Originally, it was uh, 24. There you go. So they bumped yeah. it up to 30 each range and made it harder to cast. Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, a unit gets rained on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like rain on your wedding day. Yeah. Um, so blah, 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 blah. They take... A minus one to hit modifier on their shooting. And if they don't shoot with ballistic skills, or if they're like a war machine, then they can only fire on a four plus. Um, but the cool thing is, it just stays on that. Like it literally affects that unit for the rest of the game. But it's, yeah. not, it's not a remaining play spell. So there's no way of actually dispelling it or cancelling it. It just stays on them for the rest of the game. So in the... Uh, okay, so for the updated version, they gave them a minus one. So... The uh, original version, it was just you can only shoot on a four plus. Um, what even for a ballistic unit? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it says. A soaked unit suffers a further minus one to hit modifier on its shooting to hit rolls. Yeah. So the minus one was added in for the revised version. Yeah. And then is it? And then is it? Which weapons need to roll a four plus? Oh, like any unit that does not require ballistic skill. So. Yeah, okay. stone throw or whatever. Yeah. Or like, you know, organ gun or any of those sorts of things. Yeah. Or a salamander. <laughs> but yeah, so basically I think that's a great spell. That's a good spell. And because it's not remaining play, you can you can keep casting on different units as well. You could yeah, essentially right. you could you could basically mess up someone's you gun line. Take with that. Entire... <laughs> well you could. You if someone's sitting there with their dwarf gun line, you can if you can get that I mean, look, I know it's easier said than done because they probably want to dispel it, but like you, there's, you could potentially, you know, affect a few units in, in the game and end up, end up sort of making their shooting like pretty ineffective, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's great. Um, as you can tell, I do think the law of life is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a good law. As far as the laws go... Um... Out of the eight in the main book, it's definitely up there. Um, it's probably a toss-up between this one and the Law of Heavens as to whether as to what's the most powerful law. Yes, I would take this over Law of Heavens personally. <clears throat> yeah, me, me personally. But I've never seen you use this. I don't know. I feel like me. Yeah, I feel like we've discussed this before, and you were not overly like it wasn't. A law that you've really used much yeah um i guess i have a tendency to play kind of magic light um yeah partly because i'm well partly because i think in warhammer you either go magic heavy or kind of not at all if you if you sort of have one wizard, your ability to get any spells off is pretty much nil. Yes. So you kind of either go all out or just have a scroll caddy. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I sort of prefer having more troops on the board. Yeah. Partly because I like having the models, but also partly because I think it's not that interesting for your opponent to just get completely decimated by magic. Yep. I think people have more. So, I mean, recently, like I've played games against you and against quite a lot of people who are either just getting into the game or getting back into the game from a long hiatus. Mm. So if you turn up with loads of wizards and smash them with magic, it's normally not a very fun game. Yeah. Whereas at least if everyone gets to move their soldiers around the board, mm. um, even if you don't win, you at least felt like you got to play. Yeah. I think for me, my, my, my sort of approach is probably, typically I, I take a fair bit of magic. Not, mm -hmm. you know, not, I don't try and push the boundary too hard, but like I do think for me, the magic phase is one of the most enjoyable parts of the game because it's like you're playing a fantasy game with wizards and dragons and monsters and, you know, goblins and whatever. And it sort of feels like, that's a part of that 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 world, and for me, it's like if I'm not taking magic, it's like that's that. There's a whole phase of the game there that I want to participate in that I would be missing out on. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think for me, that's why. I mean, I would usually, like, I would I would very rarely. I, I don't think. I, in fact, I I can't remember the last time I turned up with just like a scroll caddy. No, really, because normally I'd normally I'd want to turn up with at least a couple of wizards and throw some dice around and get a spell off here or there, you know. Um, I mean, the last proper event we went to, which was CanCon, which was a two thousand point event. I was I was I I was using my orcs, my savage orc list, and that list doesn't have any shooting in it. Um, it's got no way of actually you know reaching out and kind of doing any damage across the board to somebody. So I mm -hmm. took. I took some magic, like I ended up taking a level four and two level twos, which I know is quite a bit. Um, but that was the only way that that list could actually deal any damage to anybody apart from being able to get into combat. Yeah. And the, the reason that I think that was important in that list, because obviously it was a list that was very much themed around frenzied, you know, savage orc units. Part of it was that I had to be able to deal with people's... Um, you know, redirectors, because if, if you can't deal with the redirectors, you end up just having frenzied troops chasing them around the board the whole game. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like the army kind of can't really function. If you can't deal with the redirectors, the army just basically doesn't, doesn't do what you want it to do. So I think in that regard, the magic played a part that was really important for that army to work, but you know, Obviously, it could be argued, oh, there's a lot of magic and that's hard for the opponent. And I, you know, in some matchups, it probably is. But, you know, at the same time, if I went with like a basic sort of scroll caddy in that list, I'd kind of feel like I'm just getting led around the board and I can't really do anything. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I can see both sides and I know why you like to kind of keep the magic to a minimum. But I, I always look at it and go, well, it's part of the game. It's part of the... It's part of the world that you're playing, but like yeah. the setting. So like, I, I I wouldn't want to miss out on it. Like I like the idea of it being there. So I've played some bigger sense? games recently where I took some wizards, but then I tend yeah. I have a tendency to just take high magic partly because I think it's in theme. Well, that's also true, and it's a good list. It's a yeah. really good spell list. Anyway, Lore of Life is my favorite, no doubt about that. Yeah. So the last one is the Law of Death. Yep. 
And this is another one that's a little bit of a mixed bag, I think. Now, I did use Law of Death recently. <clears throat> did you? Yes. Um, you, I don't think, were at this event, but we... It was Nick Taylor's event, which mm -hmm. was... I think it must have been Moab last year. It okay. was. It was. It was just a one-dayer, and it was... Um, yeah, three games. And I took a... There's... Um, normally with the Lizardmen, you can only take Law of Heavens on the Skink Priests. Yep. But there is a... Um, there was a bunch of White Dwarf... There was a White Dwarf article that was released, which was... You could take these sacred hosts where you would theme your list around a certain sacred spawning. And what that then did was it gave the Skink Priest access to other magic instead of just Heavens. Oh, okay. It's a really cool way of doing it because basically what you do is you're paying, you sort of pay a tax in a way. You're you're paying for these sacred um, these spawnings on your on your units, which was basically giving them some sort of ability. I chose the one that gives you plus one armor save, so it's actually it's a really good spawning to take. But what that did was it meant that the skinks the skink priests had to have law of death. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I ran three level twos, and they all took law of death in this list. <laughs> Okay. And it was right. really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, shall we... You want to go through it? We'll... Sure. Yeah? All right. So, number one spell, Dark Hand of Death. It's another fireball. So, five plus to cast, magic missile, 24 inches, D6 string four hits. Yep. Easy. We know what it does. Cool. Yep. Um, next one, Death Dealer. Five plus to cast. So, you can cast this on a friendly unit within 24 inches and which is already in close combat. What happens basically, any of your own models who get killed, get an attack back. So it just lasts for one turn. You fight the combat normally. So everyone does all their attacks. Um, any of your troops who get killed get to make one attack back but with their base strength so they don't get to use any like special weapons like a great weapon um but it, even if they already fought they just get an attack back um and it says for mounted models only the riders can fight like if it's a, a knight yeah. a horse can't fight only the rider yeah the horse doesn't sort of deal the kick of death. And yeah, does it, which yeah. is a shame because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise the spell would be unstoppable. <laughs> those, uh, yeah, those strength three horses. These yeah. horses could attack twice. All right. What do you think of this one? Um, my feeling is it's okay, but I don't, I've never actually used it, I don't think, but I, I just imagine in a situation where you lose a lot of guys being able to do a few extra attacks yeah. back is not going to be super helpful. And if you don't lose a lot of guys, then the spell doesn't really do much. Yeah, I've used it once or twice. Yeah. In that event, like where this was the lore I had, it was, um, I think I probably cast it a couple of times. And it actually did do something. Like I put it on some Saurus Warriors and there it's strength four. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was situations where, yeah, I lost two or three of them and then I managed to get a couple of wounds back on my opponent. That, that was actually kind of good. Yeah, look, it's one of those ones. It's only a five plus to cast. So like you could throw two dice at that. 
and you might, I kind of feel like it's one of those ones that your opponent might kind of, kind of like, I could see an opponent thinking it's better than what it really is and like thinking, oh, I've got to dispel that. And really you're thinking, well, I only cast that because I had some dice. Because they have, they still have to roll to hit, right? Because they yeah, can attack it's just, back. it's just an attack. I can imagine this would actually be good to cast on my white lions because they always get killed before they can fight. Yeah. And their strength four. No, it's not bad. Yeah. And as I said, Saurus Warriors, it's good with them. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Like I think if it, if it kind of, if it sort of means you manage to get an extra wound or two back on that combat, it actually, like, it actually sort of, does kind of pay like the dice you've used on it is probably worth it in that case i think but as you said it's situational what are you gonna do yep um right next one steel soul so it's eight plus to cast with a 12 inch range (laughs) if successfully cast the victim's soul is torn and rendered by dark forces and sacrificed to the caster himself Ooh, so, so <laughs> you pick one enemy model, they lose a wound, and then the wizard who cast the spell mm. gets Ooh. one wound. And there's no armor saved, by the way. Yeah, okay, ignores armor. Yeah. So this is pretty useful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're only doing one wound, but your wizard gets a wound. I feel like this is sort of more useful for things like chaos sorcerers Mm. or um like i don't even i don't know if vampires can use this law but i think some chaos heroes can well no they well it says the spell cannot affect undead chaos demons and similar units which do do not have a soul but but chaos wizards or something like uh some of the chaos heroes that are wizards as well as yeah because you could bump your wounds up as well and end up with like yeah you get more wounds than what you started with so what it says, though, um, at the end of the battle, any stolen wounds are lost. If the wizard has no wounds left once stolen wounds are removed, he is slain. So I guess if you if you buff yourself by, like, four extra wounds mm. and you started with maybe two wounds, mm. but you take two wounds, then at the end of the battle... You just die. So I guess your opponent still gets the victory points. No, no, no. No, I think they're saying... Um, well, that's what it says. Oh, hang on. At the end of the battle, any stolen wounds are lost. Ah. Uh, what's <laughs> the point in that? Well, if you're not playing for victory points... Well, I mean, no, you can still go around and kill okay. stuff. Okay, yeah, I guess it means that your wizard, your wizard, I guess, is alive for a longer period. But then, at the end of the battle, they could they they once the stolen wounds are taken away. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a quirky sort of. Look, to be honest thing. with you, I don't care that much about the wound coming back. I, what I care about is that you can target a model and automatically do a wound. Do a wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it's because once again, you can snipe a character. You can. You could pick a tough, you could pick like a tough kind of monster or something that otherwise would be really hard for you to do any damage to and yeah. just immediately just take a wound away. Yeah. It's really good. Well, it's only got a 12 inch range though. It does, but you know, it depends on what your scenario is. Yeah. You put it, I think with this, because I was using, I was actually using this a little bit with, um, um, I think I was using this with like 
you know, I, I think I did have a, a flying skink priest in that list. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. So you and just flew around just sucking, kind of just sort of stealing flying. people's souls. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, what an evil guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> now, my, my skink priests have been practicing witchcraft, okay? <laughs> Voodoo skinks. Yeah. So next one is Wind of Death. Yeah. Which um, It's a fiery blast. Yeah. Wind of Death usually means you've... Uh, Maybe you've had something interesting for lunch. And what, is it with you and, what is it with you and fart jokes? Today? <laughs> <laughs> right, so two, 2d6, strength 4, cast on an 8+. plus. Yep. Measuring missile. Same as, same as a few other ones. That's yeah. fine. Yep, we know what it does. Um, drain life. So this is another yep. steaming thing. Right, 12-inch range again, 10-plus to cast. Um, and it's... Every enemy unit within 12 inches of the wizard is affected, and each unit takes D6 strength 3 hits, no armor save. So, so this is a bit like Storm of Kronos, but it's obviously better because it doesn't require line of sight. Yeah. So this is cool because you can put your unit, your wizard in a unit or something. Yep. And then just attack a whole heap of enemy troops, um, but it's good because it ignores armor. So pretty good against um, troops that have got heavy armor like knights, uh, but obviously it's it just attacks those, everything. Or I think it's quite good against those little elite units, like you know your your five chaos knights. You you chip, yeah. you, chip you kill two of them, and all of a sudden it's not that scary. Yeah. You know you you manage to get um, yeah you you manage to kill some skirmishers. You manage to sort of chip away. I even like you know, characters or like a unit that's those, those units of like elite kind of uh, some iron breakers that are normally quite hard to remove. And then you manage to kill a, kill a couple of them with this. Like, it's just that kind of thing of, I feel like it doesn't, you're not, because it's only D6 strength three hits. It's not yeah. gonna, you're not just gonna totally mess up someone's unit really, but you're, it's more that thing of because you're in, impacting multiple units with it potentially. Yeah. You could you could sort of chip away at a bunch of units together, yeah, and then you combine that with maybe if you can get one of these magic missiles to go off as well, you, you can sort of do a bit of damage. So, yeah, I think it's pretty nice. I like it. It's definitely good. I can see it kind of being useful. Like maybe if you could get a wizard on a horse or something with a unit of light cavalry and get him around behind enemy lines, yeah. where he could. Well, kind of hide in some trees because it doesn't need line of sight. No, that's it. You, you could can hide them somewhere and yeah. just cast this you thing. Can, you can pop a wizard in a forest. You can smash up a load of war machines yep. or just kill and, missile troops. And this is one of these ones that I was using quite a bit with the flying guy. Oh, yeah. So, like, you could, you sort of, you're playing a game, you wait till kind of midway through the game when your opponent's moved up the board. You, you're both kind of, mm -hmm. you're both kind of clustered, you know, in the, you know, it's not like, Basically, there's gaps in your opponent's line. You, you you can just fly this guy in, and you know sit him in a in a in a spot maybe where he's hidden, like being behind something or whatever. And then you can bubble this, and you you're affecting three or four units and just chipping tripping wounds yeah. off them, which I think is really nice. Yeah, I remember playing dwarves, and this was really useful. I, I think the guys BSB copped a wound, like the Ironbreakers, a couple of them went down. There was some long beards going down. It was just kind of like, I think I managed to get it off a couple of turns in a row. So there was just like okay. constant damage coming through, which was really good. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, because the armor 
you know, they're, they're not getting a save. It's yeah. pretty good. So, yep. So quite a few uses for that one. Yep. All right. And then the last one, Doom and Darkness. Um, again, I don't think I've ever cast the spell, but to be fair, I've always been a little bit kind of um, iffy on the real value of it. So it is 12, 12 plus to cast. 12 to cast. So I think, what is it, like the highest casting value of any spell in the book? Uh, Just about. I would. It's even so higher it's, than Comet. Yeah. One enemy unit within 24 inches visible to the caster. And what happens is the unit takes a minus three penalty on any leadership tests. Um, at the start of their following turn, they have to pass a leadership test with the minus three penalty. Otherwise, it remains. And it doesn't affect undead or demons or anyone immune to psychology. So, I mean, I can see some value in it. I just don't know if a 12 plus is, like, a, it, it's a lot for that effect. One one thing I would say, I agree with you on that. I don't think it's really, it doesn't really feel like a 12 plus sort of spell to me. But one thing I would say is, like, you could, you could pop that on a unit and then pound them with missile fire mm -hmm. and and kill enough to do a panic test and then they're in some trouble you know what i mean so yeah. like if you know someone who's normally testing on an 8 now they're testing on a 5 like you know you, you it that's that's a scenario where that could realistically happen like especially your army mm -hmm. where you've got let's say you turn up with two bolt throwers a few archers yeah quite a lot of shooting quite a bit of shooting and if you manage to put this spell onto someone's main sort of maybe it's their kind of one of their main infantry blocks and then you you shoot off their you know you shoot off a rank or two yeah that person's feeling real nervous about about that leadership test especially if it's early game if that's in the first couple of turns you, you could you could panic someone's unit off the board so unless they get lucky and pass their leadership test at minus three well of course I guess the good thing is it's not a remain in play spell. It's just once you've cast it, they have to pass a leadership test with the penalty to try and to get rid yeah. of it. Otherwise, there's no way to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, it also helps with things like, you know, your fear tests. Like if, if you're playing undead, like if you are an undead player, you can, because you can take law of death. Yeah. You could put that onto someone's unit and then if they keep failing their fear test, they're not going to be able to charge you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can do yeah. some interesting things. Yeah. Not to mention, let's face it, like if you put that, if you cast that onto someone's, you can't cast it into combat, but mm -hmm. if you cast it on a unit that's, you know, like a unit that is probably going to be in combat next turn, for example, if they lose combat by a couple, <laughs> like... Depends who you're you up know. against. So if you cast it on, it'll be interesting to cast on the enemy general because then he can't pass his leadership on to everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely useful, but... At 12 to cast, you've got to roll how many dice? Like oh, nearly yeah. five dice to be to be oh. quite certain of getting it off. You, you, yeah, four or five, yeah. You, so yeah, you're probably you're probably doing level four. You're probably not. You definitely roll four dice. Yeah. I mean that's kind of a 50-50, yeah. I mean it's a it's a lot for that spell. Well, it's a fair commitment. Like it's yeah. but it's also probably the kind of spell that pulls out someone's dispel scroll. 
Yeah, like, you could always use a power stone to do it. Yeah, true. It's one of the things you, I wanted to do for to, a while. You used to laugh at me for taking power stones. I remember you thinking it was like, <laughs> yeah, do you remember? I remember. Yeah, and then I, you pulled out a power stone and did something jammy on me. Yeah, you, and now all of a sudden you're going, oh, you just use a power stone for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I remember, I remember telling you, in, oh, this is what my list is. And, and you were like, power stone? Who uses a power stone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever used a power stone. But then, to be fair, I'm high elves, and so there's well, lots of other, there's lots of other magic items that give you you've a, got, an extra. You, well, dice. I mean, high elves have got some of the best magic items in the game, so yeah. you know the power stone is probably less useful for them, but yeah. it's it's pretty useful for a, a level a level two wizard that's trying to cast a twelve plus spell. It's yeah. it's a pretty useful item, you know. One of the things I've been quite keen to have a go at for a while is you know the seven knights scenario in the book. Oh yeah, one like one player has a normal army. The other, the other has side has the characters. same amount of points, but only characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it, but um, one army is like a high elf wizard coven, oh, so cool. it's like nothing but mages. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so that'd be quite funny for that. Could be hilarious. one guy could have this law, mate. You'd rack up. You'd rack up like. <laughs> You'd have like 15 power dice or something. And You'd just have be heaps. Like, yeah. yeah. And just be like <laughs> hurling spells. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And they could, yes. Because you can have twice as many lords as normal. You know what you could do? You could have eight different wiz- eight wizards and have them <laughs> all have each. a different lord. That would be so cool. That would be pretty funny. That would be awesome. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah, sure. Well, do you have eight wizard models? <laughs> yeah. Do you? Not all of them are painted, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get them painted. <laughs> We could do that. That could be quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. But I want to do it with like a three or four thousand point army. Something ridiculous. <laughs> so a huge army versus a load of wizards. You'd have the like, wizards have to take out an entire. Oh my army. god! You could have. Oh my god! Like eight level four wizards or something. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, They'd just you, be destroying an entire army. You'd have like well, you'd try and take nine because you'd have one with the the high magic. Yeah. And then one each 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 other one has a law from the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be outrageous. Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty funny. <laughs> and then you take a BSB with the with the D three. What is it? The D three extra. Better sorcery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just take tech list or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be outrageous. Okay. Pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. Okay, so that gets us to the end of well, the, magic all the magic laws. So, you know, thank you, dear listeners, for um, sticking with us there. Yeah. But hopefully we, you know, kind of covered off on some interesting points. What's your overall take on it? Like, just in general, do you like these rulebook laws? Do you, what do you, what do you think? Me personally? I mean... Pretty much every army has their own law in their book. Yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of players... Not the human armies. Bretonians and Empire do not. Yeah, but nearly everyone else does. The Lizardmen do not. But nearly everyone else does. <laughs> so Chaos, yes. all of the undead, yes. Orcs and Goblins, yes. High Elves, yep. Dark, Dark Elves. elves. Oh, well, the Wood Elves do not. So this, this is a, I know you're right. Most armies do have it, but yeah. there's there's at least four there that are reliant on these. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. They are. <laughs> Actually, yeah. no, I'm wrong. The, the, the Wood Elves do have their law, don't they? They've got the law of the. I don't know. They do. They've got. 
Yeah, yeah, they do have their own law. Ogres have their own law. So a lot of yeah, armies true. have got their own law. Not to say they can't use the rulebook laws, but I just feel like the rulebook laws were... When they came out, everybody used them, and as the army books were released, I think it, most players kind of adopted the um, yes laws from the army books. And yeah. I generally think the army book laws are probably better because they're usually tailored to, your to army. buff yeah. the particular army in a certain yeah. way. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's very true. Yeah. If so I, If I was to sort of rate these from like my favorites, for example, I'd probably say something like, I've already said Laura Life would be my favorite. Yep. You know, I really, I do, I'm not going to go in exact one to eight here, but like Laura Life for me is is the standout. And then I would probably, just from more like the way I, the way I like to play, I think like I do quite like metal. I, I do like metal. It's probably my second favorite just because I think it's just a real toolbox of different things. Yeah. And then like Death and Fire, I think Death and Fire both perform fairly similar roles because they both have a lot of damage output. Like there's actually multiple magic missiles in both of those laws. There's like a bunch of little damage spells. So I quite like them for that kind of just being able to just pump out damage. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I know Heavens is pretty effective, but I don't really, I'm kind of over it now. Like I played a lot of, <laughs> well, I have, I played like, yeah. more of Heavens. I, I played a lot of that. Yeah. And you sort of just get to a point where you're like, all right, I just want to do a different law Just now. do something else. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got like, I don't really rate Shadows. I just find... Apart from the movement spell, I think the rest of it's pretty underwhelming. And beasts as well, same kind of issue. Like it's got a movement spell, which is good. Yeah, they're mostly buffs and they don't have... You just kind of want at least one damage spell. Yes, yes. And you've got that in beasts, but it doesn't... It's only a 2d6 strength 3. It's not really particularly helpful. Um, But in general, like I do think... I think all the laws are usable. Some of them are certainly more effective than others 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 can be a bit you know situational Mm -hmm. so yeah no i i I really if i do think that this part of the rule book is fun because you can read through it and and kind of like the the laws are all really interestingly set out like they've all got like a little bit of fluff you know there's a bit of info on like what they're what they're all about um and yeah I, i do like the the whole concept of like you can if you change the magic law that your army uses, you know, if you kind of pick yeah. a different law of this game, it actually, you could be playing the same list all the time. And if you start mixing up what magic laws you're using, it actually changes the way you play the game. So that's yeah. a good way of actually, if you're ever getting bored of your the way your list is playing, if it's a list that can take another law, why not just take another law and see how it goes? So yeah. Um, anyway, that's my take on the whole thing. But yeah. Any closing comments? No, I think it sort of um, speaks for itself. Um, again, I kind of, we've already talked about this, but I think in some ways it's more fun if the wizards can have all the spells and yeah. the law, and it definitely makes some of the laws more usable. Yeah. Um, as well, you maybe... say, the sort of toolbox type laws where yeah. they've got more situational spells yeah that individually aren't that great but if you've got all of them suddenly it's a lot more useful yeah yeah well maybe next time you and i play we'll, we'll, we'll play it like that i yeah, mean yeah. i think for events and stuff you got to kind of keep it yeah, as a book because once you start fiddling with it too much it's sort yeah. of it, it sort of gets to a point where where do you actually draw a line yeah that's right but 
I think for a game with me and you and we're we're both on on the same page. Like I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah. But um yeah, mate. Awesome. Really good to kind of um get a couple of uh episodes under our belt with this. <laughs> and uh hopefully people have enjoyed the content and obviously we're <laughs> You know, we both recognize that we're still being, we're probably a bit unstructured in the way that we're doing it, but... Yeah, write know. in and tell us what you want us to talk about next. What section do you reckon we should talk about next? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we also want to do... Um, army wanna, books. Army books. We want to talk about individual army books that we um, have played with, and we want to, you know, sort of talk about a whole bunch of topics. I'd love to talk about, like, magic items and... White you dwarf know, articles. Oh yeah, yeah. We want to talk about <laughs> white dwarf and like a lot of this kind of stuff. So we probably should talk about hobby progress that we've been making. Although yeah. I've, I've basically I've just moved house and haven't really had a chance to do any painting for a while. But um, I'm sure reasonably soon I'll get a chance to unpack my models and start painting again. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, um, I guess we'll leave it there, and uh, that would be we'll we'll catch up again soon and. Another episode of the, uh, what do we call the podcast again? The Rank, the rank Bonus <laughs> the, Podcast. The Rank Bonus Podcast. So uh, <laughs> until next time.